Access Netflix, Prime Video, Live TV, and more with the Xfinity X1 Voice Remote. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. And welcome back to the Gut Check Project, episode number three. We are still here and loving it. What do you think? Well, are we going to keep doing this till we're like episode, like Joe Rogan, episode number 2068, they still let us back on. 2068 means we only have 2065 to go. There we go. We're getting closer. We are getting closer. So uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, the feedback is, uh, well, it's awesome. It's, uh, it's impressive. I had no idea that this... Many people in such a short amount of time would want to hear what we had to say about bridging the gap between health uh, in uh, natural and medical science. Absolutely. I love it. We've been, uh, in fact, one of the things we'll get into here shortly is I've been messaged by a bunch of people. I've had a lot of uh, friends from, you know, all over the United States contact us and say, hey, that was that was interesting. You guys were covering some cool stuff, especially last week. We had Sean Bryan's on. If you did not check it out, please uh, deep dive into CBD and uh, a little bit into the cannabis industry, but really cool. Such a deep dive that the material was so informative that uh, YouTube, of course, allowed us to keep spreading the message. But Facebook pulled pulled our, our, uh, our recording down for a little while and we had to replace it with YouTube. So I guess if you want to know the truth, then sometimes Facebook's going to going to slow down a little bit. Well, that's, and we covered those topics. Like they obviously did that because of the particular topic that we were talking about, sure. but we were all about the science of it. We're showing everything. That's what we're going to do. We're going to continue to do this. And today, what, who do we have on our show? Today, we're going to be joined by Chef Patrick Mosher. Now, if you uh, listen to the Spoonie Network already, Chef Patrick Mosher is already somebody who you're quite familiar with. However, this guy's got experience from all different aspects of cooking for gigantic hotels, being a part owner of some large chains and putting together the food items. Every, essentially, he's he knows how to build food and uh, how to make something out of it. His message is you are what you eat. My message is all health begins and ends in the gut. This is why teaming up with chefs and getting out there is going to be super cool and Thrilled to have him. He's actually the producer of our show. So this is going to be, if any reason to tune in, it's going to be that we're going to move him over here and he's going to be a guest. So we had to on the fly. He had to on the fly teach Eric's wife, Marie, uh, to run the uh, to the production desk over there. So if anything, let's just stay tuned for that because... You know, is the camera is it where it's supposed to be? Don't be mad at her. She's yeah. doing what she can do. She just learned how to do it two seconds ago. Hey, you can't blame her for me setting the camera up incorrectly. <laughs> Wait, can't blame her. You got to blame me. That's right. Either way, it doesn't matter. It'll be fun though, regardless. Uh, speaking of, let's get caught up on our on our recent week weekends. Um, anything big happened with uh, with you and your fam this last week? It's pretty chill. Something kind of cool. I just mentioned a little bit about how. Um, People have been messaging us. Now, remember, we are the gut check project. Our right. phrase is check your ego at the door. Everything's on the table. And uh, somebody had messaged me uh, on Instagram and asked, why do we why do we say gut check project? Why do I check your ego at the door? Coincidentally, last week was actually my birthday on our show. And I <clears throat> I read a book written by Ryan Holiday called The Daily Stoic, 
all this is, it's kind of a fun little way to start your day. Right. There's every single day he takes a lesson from a stoic philosopher and he kind of dumbs it down and gets it through it. Okay. So March 14th was the one that I had. I thought it was way too coincidental that somebody messaged me for this and this was the actual thing. So bear with me um, while I explain this, but it makes total sense to me. And this is the kind of stuff I like to start my day with. So the quote is from Diogenes Laertes. Zeno would also say that nothing is more hostile to a firm grasp on knowledge than self-deception. So what I like about it, Ryan Holiday then breaks it down, basically says self-deception, delusions of grandeur. These aren't just annoying personality traits. Ego is more than just off-putting and obnoxious. Instead, it is the sworn enemy of our ability to learn and grow. As Epictetus said it, it is impossible for a person to begin to learn what he thinks he already knows. Today, we will be unable to improve, unable to learn, unable to earn the respect of others if we think we're already perfect and a genius admitting it. So that was the philosophy that you and I had when we were setting up this show. It's Gut Check Project. Check your ego at the door, sit down, and let's learn from each other. Let's teach each other. And that's why we have a chef on today. Yeah. Because we're going to learn a little bit about food. Right. We definitely will learn a little bit about food. Um, How about you? Oh, well, it's a good question. So uh, speaking of my wife, who is going to be working the cameras today for our show, thank you, Marie. Um, This this last weekend, we spent our time with my boys putting down a new floor on the chicken coop. Uh, So... My wife has had the experience in the past where we've had our own chickens and we harvest our own eggs. It's the best tasting eggs you can possibly imagine. But if you like spending around $72, $73 an egg, get yourself some chicken grilled chicken coop because it's awesome. They taste terrific. Love you, hon. They're great. Um, that reminds me because um, I do believe that you guys tried some beekeeping at one time. Yeah. Uh, you and I put together, uh, well, we have taken care of care of some patients, which, um, I'm sure they'd be okay with me saying it, that they were beekeepers. So there was a, um, Dr. Robert Bender was a gynecologist in town. Unfortunately he died of cancer, but it was the funniest thing. I'm having lunch with him and he's talking about how him and his wife decided to get into making honey. He goes, Oh, it's fantastic. He goes, I'm a gynecologist. I know how to deal with women. I just have to, you know, treat one queen really good. And I get all this honey and we're selling this honey. It's local natural honey it's seven dollars and sixty cents a bottle only cost me 28 per bottle (laughs) (laughs) exactly what you're saying and i love that guy and i love that quote and unfortunately you know he's passed on but i like it when people take risks like that and kind of own it you know completely own it talk about checking your ego at the door i'm going to tell you that we're having fun doing it and we're not making any money the farm fresh eggs taste great we just got to get to a point where we don't have our dogs take the chickens out that's all there is to it. Hey, you mentioned, goals. A, you mentioned a book and something's really cool. It's last week. Do you remember getting this book from Isabella Wentz? I did. Yes. You and I both received this fantastic book. Isabella Wentz is an amazing PhD. Why don't you go ahead and explain it? So uh, Ken and I fortunately met, uh, met Isabella and her husband uh, it's a year and a half ago when we were working in San Diego and uh, she was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and um, she then, after she was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, she went on to change her diet eliminate uh, some of her trigger uh, trigger foods like gluten and dairy containing foods and then began to find that she could eliminate that, that uh, inflammation 
and put herself on a road to recovery. It's not any different than what you wrote out of uh, what you read out of the Stoics book. The reason that we started Gut Check Project, what uh, Doctor or uh, what uh, Chef Patrick's going to join us and talk about how you can control how you feel with great food. It's no different. So, thank you very much, Isabella. For Isabella and um, your husband. I forgot his name, but we'll find that out. And uh, you know, thank you so much for sending us the book. Definitely going to read this. Going to recommend it to my patients. Uh, you've done an amazing job. Of Hashi, yeah, Hashimoto's food pharmacology. Food pharmacology. It comes with a full meal plan at the very back, with uh, all the way down to well, exactly what to buy. I mean, just like any other recipe book, but it's it's high quality. It tells you why why you're doing what you're doing, not just eat this and. Figure Here's it out. what we'll do: we'll all um, we'll all read it, and then we'll come back and do uh, like a sort of synopsis of it. But once again, Isabel, thank you so much for doing that. Super smart woman. I love talking to her when we were in San Diego at the Mindshare meeting. That was awesome. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Some quick catch up uh, for listening here on Spoonie. Don't forget, if you want to drop by and pick up some lovemytummy.com forward slash Spoonie for your own Autron Teal, you get a discount for using Spoonie as the discount code, as well as check out KBMD Health and get your brand new KBMD CBD at our new store. So if any of you have ever read Isabella Wentz's books, or if you've enjoyed the show at all, we are all trying to support each other. This is a rising tide will lift all ships. One way to do that is to actually go to these websites, purchase a product and use those codes so that everyone is trying to help each other out. We want to make sure that Chef Patrick has a successful show and his network grows and the Spoonie Radio digital platform becomes massive. And one way to do it is definitely going on and supporting our sponsors. Without question. Without question. Well, we'll get moving here. We're in our first half hour. And uh, kind of the format is that um, we touch on health matters as they come through KBMD Health for us to talk about here on the Gut Check Project. So... Ken, why don't you tell us a little bit about what is on your mind health-wise today? So one of the things, I mean, I'm a complete nerd, so we want to geek out at some point in this show. <laughs> and w I was thinking of the um, articles. I, I basically spent my nose in journals all day long, and so I just try and figure stuff out. But then I came across this really cool article about the science of food, and it, it just falls perfectly into this Hashimoto's food pharmacology and we're going to have chef Patrick on here. So, you know, food is fascinating. Why do we like that? I mean, it does so many things. You've got texture, you've got smell, you have taste, the consistency of it. There's a whole science called food pairing Scientology or science, 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 yeah. science, technology, technology. Sure. Yeah. So it's food pairing technology Okay, where you look at this and you can actually manipulate what's going on. Like for instance, one of the examples, one of the more simple examples would be like when you eat a really fatty meal, like uh -huh. a ribeye. Right. Well, the lubrication that happens on your tongue, if you do too much of it, you can balance that out with an astringent thing that actually binds the proteins and gets rid of that slimy feeling. Okay. So it's the balance. You don't want too much of anything. Guess what is very astringent? Red wine. That's how come red wine pairs so well with a good... Fatty ribeye, yeah, because it actually just gets that to go away. And so I started going down this rabbit hole, found these articles, and I'm sure that this is second nature to the chefs out there. And uh, you know, they're like, "Oh, of course that is." Uh, but this is where it gets really fun. As it turns out, only twenty percent of your taste 
is actually happening on your tongue. Okay. 80% is the aroma. And it's the aroma that comes down to everything. Now, so the we perceive the aromas um, because they interact with our olfactory nerves. So as it turns out, these different aromas do different things and you can augment them. We talked about the entourage effect last week. You can actually have an entourage effect when it comes to food by pairing certain foods that have chemically similar aroma molecules. Okay. So, and, and before you get too far, while you're taking a sip, would this be similar? You said that uh, you would use an astringent to basically cleanse your mouth. It's really probably no different than using, I'm guessing, ginger whenever you're about to eat sushi. So the ginger works like that. Exactly. So as it turns out, like for instance, did you know that like white chocolate and caviar go very well together? Did not. It's wild because when you put it through, when you take these foods and what these scientists are doing is they're taking the foods and they're putting it into a gas chromatograph. Okay. And what that is, is that is something that actually shows the molecular weight and you can go, oh, here's a spike. Here's a spike. Um, These two foods share similar spikes. As it turns out, white chocolate and caviar share similar spikes. And that molecule is trimethylaminuria. Smells like fish. Sure it does. In fact, there's a disease on a side note called trimethyl, or I'm sorry, it's trimethalamine is the molecule. Trimethylaminuria is the one that I'm familiar with because I've actually had patients come to me and they're like, it's weird. When I eat certain foods, people can't be around me. They're like, you have a weird odor. That's called trimethylaminuria. And it's that molecule, which is trimethylamine. Certain people have a genetic uh, predisposition where they can't break it down. And I've, I've looked at them and gone, did anybody ever say you smelled like fish? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, got it. And all we do is change their diet and it's that gone. problem's gone. Yeah. So like you start looking at some of this stuff and the science behind it is so cool when you're looking at the interaction. So what can happen is that you can have similar molecules that ping your olfactory nerve that go to your brain and go, oh, that's this. And then if another food pairing pings that same one a little bit, uh-huh. a little more, a little less, so on then it heightens the first one. So you can build your recipes and food off of the molecular structure. And, you know, beyond the whole tongue thing, you know, the sweet, salt, bitter, sour, umami, the new one, the earthy flavor, uh, this is the way to really take your food to the next level. And much of what chefs have probably learned, you know, Michelin star rated chefs, is they're already doing it without realizing that it could be based on the science of this. Sure. So for instance, like a large portion of a strawberry actually has cheesy molecules. Really? So you can sit there and pair strawberries with a certain cheese and they will augment each other. They they will build each other up. Yeah. So really fun. I never would have thought about this. Checking my ego at the door. I start going down food science because we've got a chef on the show today and then this opened up a whole thing where I found a UK website. Now, just real quick, it wouldn't just be any kind of cheese. Surely it has to be, you wouldn't make strawberry nachos. I'm just saying, like a can of queso on top of a pile of strawberries. No, no, it has to be certain cheeses with similar molecules Okay, that have this, yeah. And so you can go to foodpairing.com and my kids were having some fun with this today where you can create a recipe. So, all right, so I'm gonna throw it to Chef Patrick. Give me a protein, anything you want. Give me some food product, and we're going to build a recipe off it right now, okay. live. Uh, let's go with duck. Duck. 
So this duck website, breast specifically, duck breast. Specifically. We will start with this. Not a mallard. Yes. No. Okay. Would you like it to be wild? Uh, uh, yes. Okay. Wild. Now, what we're going to do is somebody has put a duck breast into a gas chromatograph and they have figured out how to actually pair this. So now foods that are similar or foods that have a molecular component that is similar include all kinds of different stuff. But basically, um, oh, here we go. I think that you should pair this with, <laughs> as it turns out, Remy Martin Cognac. That's why it's the first thing that came to my mind. First thing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, is there any sort of citrus in there? Um, I don't know. We'll find out right here. Why don't we put a citrus? Let me see if there's one. Hey, before he answers, uh, Patrick, what kind of citrus would you would you already kind of well, intuitively think of? Well, because you think of something that's sweet yet astringent like uh, duck al orange, right? So you have this rich duck. Uh, and, and it's not just a fat acid thing. Okay. It's a combination of all the flavors. So I'm curious if um, if that classic pairing in particular is one that comes up. One that would match. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, so what's so fun about this is that now we're building it. So... I, a, an interesting fruit that just showed up is persimmon. Oh. oh, so we'll add that one. So now what's happening is we're building this whole recipe so you can decide how you're going to do this. So we have the ability now to realize, okay, why do certain foods taste good? So my son, Lucas and I were talking about this. We we're having fun today looking at this and he goes, wait a minute. Is this a way to pair foods so that the healthier foods will seem like they taste better. Tasty. So like I want to put kale and do something else with it. And I'm going to pair it with something that'll augment the cheesy flavor of something else. Use less of that, more of the kale. They help each other out. I'm like, this is fascinating. I've never, ever, ever heard of using food pairings through molecular studies to possibly trick your brain into liking the food more. Making healthy food more appetizing. Making healthy food more appetizing. That's wild. Be, yeah, interesting. Yeah. So uh, anyway, just kind of a fun little thing. So that's my nerdy clip of the uh, of the of the show. You know, I'm going to spend hours on there now. You've just ruined the next week's <laughs> worth of work <laughs> in a good way, in a good way for the no, right no, reason. No. no, I um. And so what you can do is you can actually um, save your food pairings. And my kids were doing this also. And my daughter, uh, Carla, um, built a 40 or 50. Let me look at it here. She started with sea urchin and okay. just branched out, and we've got all kinds of stuff. Sea urchin tied to cow mozzarella, which eventually takes us to buckwheat, and you know you can just see how much fun this could be where you could do this, and it's, it's based off the aroma. But what I loved about what Lucas said was, let's make healthy food tastier. Sure. And do it like this. Sure. A lot of chefs probably know this, but... This is a way to actually use this as this is the style that I'm going to do. When I have the Hashimoto's food pharmacology going on, I'm going to make it taste a little better. This is a way to do it. Yeah, no kidding. No, that's a it's a that's a brilliant tool that I had never been exposed to. I, I like somewhat of the idea that foods could make you smell a little bit different. Onions, for instance. I mean, I love onions, but if they're not grilled and you're eating fresh onions, it's unless your partner is also eating onions, it's uh, it's kind of a no go. <laughs> But, um, hey, you know, you and I had a discussion, though, and I don't want to derail us off of, of building the, the uh, foods to make them taste better, but it wasn't that long ago you and I had a discussion about what asparagus does to urine. 
And you said that somebody was doing a test whenever I believe you were in med school that uh, they were basically trying to figure out uh, how fast somebody could rapidly make the uh, the urine change its odor from consuming the asparagus. Do you remember that conversation? Yeah, absolutely. So back in the day, this is during my um, fellowship. Dr. Wesser um, was the was a pioneer in gastroenterology. He's the guy that figured out that there's such a thing as lactose intolerance. You know, we say it now like it's nothing, but somebody had to figure it out that there's an enzyme called lactase. And so he was, as a, as a scientist, and back in the day, it was kind of fun because he would give us a lecture every year and he a fantastic guy. He was in his seventies, just kind of having fun with us. He'd come part-time, you know, part-time lecturer and it would be the same lecture. So it'd be all these pictures from like the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. He made everybody eat a bowl of asparagus and then they had to go pee and everybody had to time when they could spell, when they could smell the asparagus. It was really funny because <laughs> that was his absorption study. Sure. And um, yeah, I, I don't think I get away with that now where I'm just like, you know, everybody eat this. <laughs> they go pee. <laughs> Bring your pee to me so I can smell it. Yeah. You know, yeah. What, but what, that is the what was the takeaway whenever y'all were doing that? Though? It was what? just fascinating how quickly it happened. Yeah, so I, the breakdown of the food happens really quickly. And these molecules that do this actually get into your bloodstream and get filtered through your urine. Some of them remarkably quick. So like, you know, we have all these people, you're talking about onions. When people take allicin, which is a garlic extract, right. they will actually ooze the garlic out of their breath, out of everything. Cause it just gets absorbed so much. Sure. And that's one of the issues that my patients will have when they come to me. They'll be taking supplements and be like, something's wrong. I'm like, are you on Allison? They're like, yeah. I'm like, I could smell it from here. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, if you happen to watch the Gut Check Project and you want us to have the ability to tackle a new subject, the best thing to do is go to kbmdhealth.com. That's kbmdhealth.com. Go to the Gut Check Project show. You'll find that there is uh, the ability to connect with us and submit something that you want us to tackle. That's really how we, the last two weeks, we've stumbled across what we've, what we've come across to talk about. You know, we cover so much ground here. I mean, wouldn't it be really cool? We were talking last week about um, bringing Dr. Blair on, Colonel Blair on, and we're going to talk about TBI. Right. Now imagine doing the protocol, because I'm at a hospital, it's a trauma hospital. We don't have a food protocol for traumatic brain injury. We don't have a CBD protocol. We don't have a DHA or any of that stuff. Wouldn't that be amazing if we could go, we're going to give you a, a brain inflammation diet. You're going to be on these supplements, and this is the protocol that's going to happen. That's the goal of this whole thing is to bring the science in. I mean, a whole separate show would be talking about sulforaphane, which is a molecule in cruciferous vegetables like broccoli. Well, as it turns out, it's really, really good for you. It's anti-cancer, it's anti-inflammatory, but when you cook it, the enzyme can't break it down called neurosinase. And so like a little hack would be a chef where we could sit there and say, no, we're gonna put some, um, mustard seed powder on it and then it'll actually convert it so you just made your broccoli or broccoli spouts way healthier sure so if you ever get diagnosed with cancer and there's all these crazy studies about like bladder cancer and stuff like that when you do that like i would love to have a protocol a food protocol on what you're going to do the hashimoto's food protocols right there we're going to have a food protocol if you get this eventually we're headed that way 
Not, no joke. Well, in the cruciferous vegetables, they come with dim, basically. So you're blocking the estrogen, correct? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Now, that's uh, pretty magical. And, and speaking of cruciferous vegetables, another one would be cauliflower. Just last night, my wife and I went to go eat uh, uh, pizza, awesome pizzeria, and they actually make gluten-free pizza. The crust was made out of cauliflower. It's amazing what they're doing with cauliflower now because it tastes like great bread, and it's not bread at all. You're basically having a great cruciferous vegetable while you're eating a delicious pizza. And we're hoping they didn't spray glyphosate on it so that it's uh, it's <laughs> yeah. good all around. Yeah, a non-GMO <laughs> preservative vegetable crust that tastes just like regular bread. So it's pretty awesome. No, I love all of those cauliflower crusts. So. It is delicious. So we've got about half a minute here before Chef Patrick's going to join us in the next half hour. Um, just a quick reminder, if you are watching the Spoonie Network, you, need, you know, or if you haven't, you need to be sure and check it out. There is also the uh, another show that is hosted by Alisa Shakespeare, Alicia Shakespeare, and uh, her name of her show is No Butts Too Big. No Butts Too Big. Apostrophe. B-U-T-S. Uh, no Butts Too Big. Check it out. It's a great show. And uh, we will join you in the next half hour. Right on. You know what makes you feel really good about yourself? Doing something good for somebody else. And if you'd like to do that today, go to JDRF.org. Join them in the fight against type 1 diabetes. JDRF.org. It's something good you can do for the world. JDRF.org. Hey guys, Matt Locke, the conservative cartel. I'd like to take a minute and tell you about a new weight loss product that's instantly becoming part of the Mojo Five O family. It was launched by a Dallas area company who had taken the good stuff in olive oil and created a patented product that helps people control their appetite and lose weight. It's also a big help to keep the weight off. A six-year study of former contestants from The Biggest Loser showed that when you lose weight, your body actually thinks something bad has happened, and it fights back by slowing your metabolism and boosting your appetite. One Ridge's own client, Sarah, recently lost over 100 pounds. While she looks amazing, she has been struggling every day with cravings. Now that she's taking Ridge's own, she says it's so much easier to control her appetite, and she's not thinking about food all day. Ridgizone contains a patented ingredient that has been shown to boost metabolism and reduce appetite while helping you burn fat. For a short time, we have a 30% off deal for our show. Just go to Ridgizone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com, and enter the code MATT, M-A-T-T. That's Ridgizone, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for a dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your dish-authorized retailer now. 800-570-6630. 800-570-6630. That's 800-570-6630. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Hi, it's Doc Thompson for Matthew 25 Ministries. Matthew 25 Ministries is one of the few charities I'll actually endorse because I know them. I've worked with them. And I know almost all of the money that you donate goes to help people. Go to m25m.org. m25m.org. And welcome back to the Gut Check Project. This is GCP. And uh, I'm Eric Rieger, joined by your host, Dr. Ken Brown. What is up? Check your ego at the door and let's learn some stuff. Hey, guess what? We have now our second ever guest. It's our third ever show. So we figured that on our third ever show, we should have our second ever guest. We are joined to my right, the man, the myth, the legend, 
Chef Patrick Mosier. How you doing, Chef? Uh, that's that's quite an intro. I'm not sure I can live up to that. But thank you. I'm doing good. I'm doing well. It's not bad for a Sunday. If you uh, if if you've been living under a rock, Chef Patrick does a lot of everything. He's a chef, obviously. He also produces many of the programs here on Spoonie Radio. Uh, he drives fast. He texts and drives. He doesn't sleep. He likes to smile. He likes to laugh. What am I leaving out? I only text voice text though. Oh, voice text. And I just use the Hey Siri command. So if it comes out all garbled and funny, uh, blame Siri. Yeah, well, I just made it up. I didn't even know if it was true or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I text. I drive a lot. You know, I drive around on the weekends between uh, here and there for uh, work and any other time off I have. So, like the real work. So, doctors are unique persons, or they have unique personalities. Uh, yeah. Chefs are, I think they take the cake and food pun <laughs> intended. I've met a lot of chefs. I have a lot of chefs as patients and I am just fascinated by that lifestyle. And, you know, thank you so much for coming on. We were talking earlier about how Isabella went, send us her book in the last hour and talk about how food is, you are what you eat. All health begins and ends in the gut. And here we are. We've got a chef with some serious experience. You have, you have done a lot. I've done a few things. Yeah. Um, you know, I've worked, I've uh, been fortunate enough to work all over the world. Uh, I actually kind of started my culinary career in Japan. Well, actually I started my culinary career, career in a uh, Sizzler steakhouse when I was like 14. Wait, what kind of Sizzler? There's Western Sizzler. It was, just, there was... It was just Sizzler steakhouse. It was, um, <laughs> so Sizzler was a pretty big, cha- a pretty big chain back in the eighties and early nineties. Sure. And, um, yeah, so I was the, I was the, Busboy dishwasher at the Sizzler Steakhouse until Thursday nights came around. Uh, I got tips as the as the dishwasher busboy, and um, apparently on Thursdays there was all you can eat popcorn shrimp. So the kitchen guy says, "Hey, we'll teach you how to run the fryer. We'll teach you how to run the fryer." I'm like, "Okay, cool. Um, I'll run. I'll get to cook." So I was, you know, I was busting it out back there. You can only put ten pieces of shrimp on any given plate because it's all you can eat, right? Yeah. So the Arizona State football team would come in and they'd have thirty-seven plates each or something like that. <laughs> um, so you're back there, you're you're like humping it on the fryer, and and they're back there kind of laughing at you because they get your percentage of your tips. Not only are you doing the hardest job because you have to clean the fryer at the end of the night, but they get your money. It only took me about six weeks to figure that out. Sure, and I was like, man, I'm the dumbest guy on the planet. But well, um, and, and and shrimp everywhere feared you. Yeah. You know what? It's interesting that uh, my first job in the kitchen uh, sent me home smelling like seafood because later as I progressed into sushi and seafood specifically, uh, every night it was like, okay, you gotta, you can't even go to bed before you take a shower because your sheets are just going to stink in the morning and <laughs> it's pretty nasty, but it is what it is. Were your family, was your family a frequenter of a Sizzler growing up? Yes. We would do the Sizzler in Omaha, Nebraska. So yeah. Salad bar. Remember the salad bar? Oh, I was, that was just going there. My favorite item there as a kid was, uh, not any part of the salad, but the canned chocolate pudding for whatever reason, (laughs) quite nutritious. It goes right alongside the uh, square, uh, chicken fried steak. So this is, this is what I love. I mean, it's somebody with, with your culinary chops that has gone all the way to Japan to learn. And Mm -hmm. this is where you start is frying shrimp at a sizzler. Sure. I lasted about two weeks at a McDonald's before that, but I don't really count that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Nobody ever does. No, I was a quitter there. Sure. <laughs> what actually drew you to food? Um, you know, my, my father had a large garden. We, we lived in upstate New York in a, the town of Corinth or Corinth. If you live there, it's near Saratoga Springs, Albany, that area, kind of near the middle of the state. And, um, my, my dad's entire family, all of his siblings, except one brother lived within a mile of each other on the same road. And my grandfather owned, I don't know, a few sections of land on either side. He had a dairy farm. Um, and then, uh, a large, uh, vegetable garden. And my father 
tended at least an acre garden every year. So we spent summers as I was like, you know, three old enough to pick beans. You were picking beans and snapping beans and helping mom put stuff in jars so she could can it. And my, okay, I'm not sure I want to tell my first culinary job as a a real job in the family. (laughs) But actually, it's kind of right up your alley. This this will work out well. My grandfather slaughtered two cattle every winter. And then we split the meat up but amongst the family. Sure. He usually did two more later, but uh, early in the winter, the first big heavy snowfall, they'd, uh, and so you have to string them up, right? You, you, you obviously, you, uh, how do you gently say you kill them? You just kill them. Yeah, right? you kill them. Oh, yeah. And then well, you this cut is a, it's yeah. on our first episode, we actually explained <laughs> my background where um, mm-hmm. Eric would go with his dad to a radio studio and I would go to the slaughterhouse. So yeah, my exactly. dad was yeah. yeah running that kind of stuff. So that's why you're saying that, so. Yeah, no, I mean, no, no, it's not actually. It's more like the uh, the gas the GI part, the oh. the butt doctor part. <laughs> Sorry, um, no. So maybe, maybe I maybe I missed my calling. But um, before they can actually gut the animal, there's something that has to be done. So they hang it up upside down. You have to climb up a ladder, and you have to. Um, I was five years old when I was taught this my first time. You have to cut around the the muscle around the of the anus, uh-huh. and you have to tie it off because if you don't, when the stomach elongates, it's a geyser. Oh, oh, comes out the back end. So that was my first real job for the family in slaughtering beef was I got to climb the ladder and tie it off. Tie off the butt. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. I'd much rather have, I mean, that's, your job sounds more glamorous. That is permanent constipation. So that would make total sense while you were drawn to uh, sushi immediately. You're like, I'm getting away from this. <laughs> yeah, no more red meat. Yeah. No more red meat. Now, now you know why I gave up red meat. Not for Lent, but for several years in Japan. Uh, plus the cost. So after you had the exposure to the dairy farm and all of the vegetables, then that obviously is setting a foundation for you to get into food. You probably had no idea that's where you were leaning, but, uh, um, yeah, no, I didn't. I really, uh, my mother was a great cook. My father was a good cook, a very good cook. Um, and their whole family, every, um, every event revolved around food. Okay. So, uh, as I grew up, my father died very young. I was six years old. He died oh. of um, pancreatic cancer at the Ooh. age of 47. Wow. Yes. Wow. And uh, back then there was no really no treatment. By the time they figured out why you had back pain, it was pretty much over. over. And um, but anyway, so uh, but I spent a lot of time with my mother cooking after that. And uh, I just I just picked it up. I really love food. I'd, I was fortunate enough to move to Germany my senior year in high school. And the family that uh, that I lived with that hosted me was very generous. And uh, we got to go to other countries and, and dine on some fantastic food. And food was a way of life for them. And in Germany is where I learned about minimalism in the cupboard. You know, because they have dorm-style refrigerators. They don't have big refrigerators. They're slightly larger than little boxes you have in your dormitory. And they shop every day. So every single day, uh, at least once a day, you shopped. Unless sure. it was for your bread because it was delivered in the morning fresh. Wow. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. Oh, it was awesome. Very. It was awesome. So hey, just as a side note, uh, growing up and watching my grandmother cook, uh, my dad's mom, she was, she was fantastic. I loved her fried chicken. Now, she fried a lot of stuff. But for some reason back then, she still remained skinny. But she, and I don't know if your mom or your dad was like this, my grandmother could flavor anything to taste terrific. Uh, fried chicken, chicken fried steak, uh, vegetables, etc. cetera. Uh, but one of her trademarks was to always cook with a cigarette hanging out of her lip. So I think <laughs> some of that was flavored. A little bit of Winston burn ash was in there. As well as, I think that she saved all of the different kinds of meats that she fried in, the oil in, in different Folgers cans, fish oil and 
and uh, chicken grease, et cetera. Is that something that y'all also did in upstate New York? Yeah, you know, and I, well, the vegetables, I think, had a different flavor. And diff- uh, we'll, we'll start there. But uh, produce, because we had a burn pile every year. We okay. had trees that would fall. We had a lot of property. And we would burn on the actual garden. So what was, and my, my father would rotate back and forth on two plots. So each season, the previous years, uh, burn pile would become the new garden. And so the, the ash content, right? The pot ash, well, the, the ash content was really high. So a lot of minerals and, um, I mean, it's, it's amazing how healthy the vegetables are when you do that. You know, people used to take the ashes from their fireplace and put them into the burn pile or into their compost heap. Sure. Um, we don't do that anymore, but that gives that right there was just fantastic for the flavor and the freshness of vegetables. Um, but my mother, yeah, she stewed everything. Okay. Oh yeah. Except, uh, what did she call it? Uh, Swiss steak was broiled, uh, whatever lean beef steak she could buy. That was the cheapest cut with a bone in it (laughs) and then smothered in, um, tomatoes and garlic. And then she broiled that in the oven. It was actually pretty good. It actually sounds delicious. Yeah. Compared to what we were talking about on the first part of the show, what I'm thinking is that, you know, you know smoking has a lot of a, it's a carcinogen known as benzene. Mm -hmm. What we should do is see the chemical structure similar to benzene to add that good childhood flavor that you're missing yeah. from the smoke That's right. and the cook <laughs> without getting the cancer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, probably so. You could get, you could put uh, Winston cigarettes into a mass spec machine and see if it pops out to charred meat. Figure out, <laughs> well, you, figure out what fruit or vegetable has a similar molecular component near benzene. So. Now I'm inter- I'm interested. I, I'm really curious about that. This is a fascinating science for me. And I'm thinking I could just, uh, I could change my restaurant consulting uh, business to just be menu consulting based on this and take uh, elevate all chefs to the next level. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is the kind of stuff, uh, and we wouldn't be talking about it if we weren't preparing for this show. I was just uh, thought I put my water down there. I was uh, just uh, you know trying to think of okay, what's a really cool thing that we could talk about? I have to science this up. I like it. I'm a nerd, and I'll probably try and do this with every single topic that we do. Find something, but yeah, it's really fun. Oh, it's very um, cool. That would be really cool. So you're sitting there. So obviously you're exposed to this great. Organic before organic was cool. Mm-hmm. You guys had an we, organic we farm. Country poor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> country poor. No. All right. So what happened after that? Um, well, we moved to Arizona, which was a whole different thing. And I learned about spicy, spicy foods, right? My first meal out in Arizona, we didn't eat out a lot as a child, very rarely, uh, maybe once or twice a year at the most. We went to this little Mexican restaurant, um, between Chandler and Gilbert, Arizona, which are now massive towns that kind of grown together. But then they were just very small towns. And uh, I don't remember. It's Casa something, this little Mexican place. And I had a chimichanga mm-hmm. smothered in spicy green chili salsa. And I went ballistic. It was, it was done. I was never going to do anything but eat tasty food again. And, and, and not healthy necessarily, but flavorful food. And that, uh, that kind of spawned. And how old were you when you moved down to Arizona? Uh, I guess I was in sixth grade, somewhere in there. Oh, wow. Grade, yeah. yeah, nice. So it would have been a few years. So then you, you progress through, you graduate, and then you end up, uh, well, before you graduated, you worked at the Sizzler. And then uh, mm-hmm. how did you decide that food, beyond being told the random days you were going to do popcorn shrimp, was something you wanted to pursue and deliver to people to make them happy? Um, well, I'd had a few other jobs cooking after that, but what I realized is that no matter how, uh, how, uh, cash, uh, strapped your family might be, there was always food in the restaurant. And if you worked there, you usually got some of it for free. Sure. So I think that was it. I think mentally, um, I determined never to be hungry again. Right. And I just parlayed into a, 
into a career. But I, I really didn't start cooking full-time until I was in Japan. I was working as an interpreter. Uh, I was actually working as a copywriter to start and did some interpreting. So you actually that. took a job in Japan as I a did. copywriter? I did for a company called TransTech International. They were a te technical translation company. Uh, the parents of a friend of mine that had come to the United States to go to school in eighth grade and stayed all the way through high school, they owned and ran the company in Osaka, Japan, and they invited me to come and work for them after, well, I was actually in college at the time. Wow. So I've heard you speak... German. Do you also speak Japanese? Hi, Nihongo Wakaramasu. Wow. Mm -hmm. So this is fascinating. So chefs are super intelligent people. Yeah. And this is what's... <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> because I just think it's wild because you're... you're um, uh, many of my friends that are chefs are people of extremes. Sure. Yes, and we are. That is fascinating. You speak Japanese, German, English. Get to work in the back doing uh, appetizers and odors and... And it was, it was fascinating. I, I loved it. And Japanese chefs are so meticulous. They have, um, the way they approach food in Japan, they actually have a proverb that defines uh, food in Japan. And it's, it's, it's the, yeah, ryori, the ryori it's at, is actually, it's, it's not just food, it's the food. It is the substance of the universe, right? So their philosophy is let it, uh, let little seem like much as long as it is fresh and beautiful. Wow. Let little seem like much. Uh -huh. As long as it is fresh and beautiful. So um, small portions, very ornate and well-garnished, very clean and seasonal. Seasonal is the key word there. And typically local. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I do remember in one of our previous conversations, you did say that you were with uh, Nobu as well, correct? Yeah, I did work for Nobu for a number of years. Yeah, I, actually, uh, I was the executive chef and uh, helped open the restaurant in Aspen. Uh, oh, wow. which is Matsuhisa. That's his last name. And then I, I was fortunate enough to work at several other locations. So, I mean, I imagine that a lot of those principles that you're talking about probably carried over into the way the presentation, the food. Yeah. You know, and well, there's a whole nother layer there. I mean, he, he had lived and worked in Peru for a long time and he was a uh, fascinated by French cooking techniques. So he took these Japanese base ingredients, added the layer of, um, like infused the flavors of, of Peru and chili, and then took uh, that uh, to another level by using French cooking techniques and just phenomenal stuff. Wow. Mm -hmm. yep. I mean, I, I, I wish I knew what to say there. So my family, we're huge Asian cuisine fans and it, all of it. And our favorite restaurant is actually a Japanese restaurant in Plano. And we go there at least once a week. Really? What's, yeah. I mean, you can say the name, give them a plug. Yeah, sure. Yama. Y-A-M-A. -A -A I'll have to check Plano. it out. Yeah, we have the, um, it's just unbelievable it's it's it, it's good in the sense that it, i think it is very very traditional japanese food um hitomi our waitress mm -hmm. is always our waitress and so we just sit down and food just starts showing up that's what i love the methodical just mm -hmm. this is what's happening it is predictable it is well and it, it's thoughtful thoughtful right. yes so uh, here's a really interesting cultural thing from japan there's a great book called amai no kozo it's um the uh, the anatomy of de of interdependency. Okay. Okay. It's, it describes their whole culture. One of the things in Japan is when you start a sentence, they finish it for you. Like uh, I used to teach for this guy Jonouchi. He had two small children. I spoke him. I, I taught spoke him English. I taught them English. <laughs> now, I'm, now I actually am a native Japanese speaker, and I, it's my second day speaking English. So give me a break. Um, <laughs> so he would call and and he would say Patoriku, and I would say yes. He goes Jonouchi des Gerenomo, meaning this is Jonouchi, and he just stopped. And I'm supposed to finish it. It's like, oh, you must be calling about. But oh. I would, I didn't know that, right? So I'm just like, okay, you know, hi. I just wait for him to say something. But eventually, you learn. It's like, um, 
Japanese interject a lot. They say, hi, mm, eh, ah, so this, ne. And they're, what they're doing is they might say, yes, oh, isn't that so? They're interjecting to let you know they're listening, actively listening. Even if they say something in agreement, it doesn't mean they agree. Okay. I mean, hmm. uh, yeah. But, but anyway, back to the point I was making is when somebody, you're at, uh, a guest in someone's house for the first time and you, you, they say, would you like some coffee? And you say, yes, they don't ask you how you want it. And they don't bring you the things to put cream and sugar in it. They automatically put in cream and sugar because the first time as a guest in their house, you should not have to think about how you want your coffee served from then on. You can just make your own, but they, they alleviate the pressure from you, even if you didn't want it that way. And you accept it graciously because that's the, the generosity they're giving you to relieve you of the pressure of having to say, would you please fix it this way? Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. yeah there's so many layers of complexity to Japan's culture that's a whole that's a month uh, well that's a whole series of shows for next year <laughs> well um you've been a chef for a long time what would be something that in the uh, in the realm of of uh being a, a master chef going from the uh being taught japanese and then obviously with some french uh carryover what what take or took you to your favorite style of uh place setting now um I think just my love of simplicity in food. So as a child, you know, my, my mother, she stewed a lot of things, but there were really great fresh ingredients. If it wasn't stewed, um, my father was a big fisher and uh, fisherman and hunter. And so we had a lot of wild game. He had, oh, we always had a ton of, uh, you know, venison and backstrap, um, a lot of rabbit, a lot of fish. So everything was very simple. Um, when we went camping, my father didn't take stuff for dinner. He would hunt it or fish it. Wow. Or fish for it. Oh, that's, a, that's quite a bit of pressure. Yeah, no joke. Yeah, that's, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, that's it, actually a TV show now called uh, yeah, Survivor. Yeah, it's, called, it's called Naked and Afraid. <laughs> yeah, Naked and Afraid, Survivor. There's a bunch of them. Bear grills. How many times did y'all go out and be like, you know what? We're not going to stay out here this time. We're going to go on back. No, you know how many times you had trout for breakfast, though? <laughs> but he, he was, it was very simple food. So, um he would take uh, lemons, potatoes, uh, salt and pepper, and onion. And so if he, caught, if he caught trout, then he would simply slice up the potato and the onion, stuff it inside with a couple of wedges of lemon or uh, slices of lemon, salt and pepper, and then wrap it with a, a pat of butter in there, wrap it up in tin foil and throw it on the fire. You know, if there was other game to be had, then it was just super simple. There were boiled potatoes and uh, simple fixings and then salt and pepper on whatever the game was. And so these really clean, simple flavors for me are, are really what I identify with. Doesn't mean it can't it, it, that you can't really elevate that sure. with a few adjustments, but really um, being able to identify the main uh, component, like the center of the plate item, the protein. If you can't taste what it's supposed to taste like, um, I'm not sure what the point is. Sure. Right? Well, well, today you just you ended up joining us because you had just left a gigantic gathering that you were asked to basically help map out. How do you know whenever you have so many mouths to feed that you know? I'm going to be able to put together this kind of plate to serve this this type of convention, or do they give you parameters on what they do and don't want? How do, how do yeah, so um, the so menu development or menu um, yeah, menu development or menu selection for any large party is very very critical because you have to think about if you have they have multiple selections, especially then what is the um, what is the time to plate each item? Are they plated? Is this buffet? I mean, all that comes into play. I've done parties as large as 2,100 people. Uh, we did a, I worked for a, a company in Houston and we did a large plated dinner for um, the, uh, oh, MD Anderson uh, Cancer Research uh, Center. The and, Cancer Hospital yes, there, yeah. Yes. Huge. And uh, so we, we did 2,100 people seated. But the preparation for that took a week. 
right? Oh. But nothing is really cooked until either some things are made the day before, but not cooked until that day. But all the proteins, like all the tenderloins, uh, all the sea bass. So there were 1,100 pieces of sea bass and there were 1,400 pieces of tenderloin. Wow. Um, well, the tenderloins were whole. We had to cut them. I, I had to cut them actually. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's, that was, we, we, all that gets cooked in ovens lined out inside of this big giant, uh, makeshift kitchen. That's 20,000 square feet. Um, and then we had f- 16 ovens in there, like big commercial ovens. Do you feel like that your principles and how you wanted to live, you want to deliver good health for people through the way that they eat that Ab- sometimes you get compromised because it gets so big. Yeah. I mean, uh, so there are ways to do that. Again, simplicity is number one. Sure. Um, and then, Limiting your, your menu to items that fit your, um, your desires and what you want to give to people and bring to people in the hospitality industry, you can't compromise that. So only serving things that, and you may look for an alternative protein. So if they couldn't afford the, the tenderloin, we could do something like a, I don't know, baseball steak or, you know, tri-tip or something like that. So they get a similar quality of product, um, just not as expensive. I think that's, that's part of the creativity that chefs have to work with nowadays, um, is planning for an, uh, like an upcoming season. We change menus typically four times a year in restaurants. So are you primarily doing this right now for your work? Oh, so I do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, well, this is your, this, this is, is your my, new baby. I want to get into yeah, that next. Yeah, this is, this how is did it. you end up here doing a digital show? But that's my dumbass doing... friend. We'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Love you, doc. Miss you so much. <laughs> anyway. Um, but, but the planning phase is really what it is. You have to be very organized, um, and there's a science to it. You know how many pieces of everything you need, uh, what the portion size is, and then what your standard batch size recipe is. So you just scale that up. Although there can be complications there because salt doesn't scale directly. Um, other, some other components like oil, don't, uh, they don't scale. You know, it's not exponential. It's not like six times this equals that. No, sure. you have to scale some things back and scale things up. Some things so up. W- what I love about this is that you're talking exactly kind of leads into the first part of the show, but this is how I cook. I view it more as a science mm-hmm. and is. I want to know like this and you know, like I don't, I didn't have a grandmother with a Marlboro light in her mouth. You know? <laughs> to season seasoning Winston. food. <laughs> Winston, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so like now at this stage, like I, I have a really, I really enjoy it, it, cookbooks. So that's why I was so excited that Isabella went and sent that cookbook. I've got Bobby Flay's cookbook, which is that one on a quick side note is that, uh, it'll be like, now add this sauce and you're like, got it. And then you turn to page 20 and you're like, that sauce has 50 ingredients. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> what? so he, that's, so there's a very famous book, a uh, book called the, um, uh, LaRusse's uh, Gastronomique, right? And, uh, and there's another one by, uh, written by um, uh, Auguste Escoffier, who, who really founded modern French cuisine, right? And the way that they cook in French kitchens. And what happens is they'll say like uh, Coquille Saint-Jacques, which is, uh, it's, uh, say, scallops with mm, uh, Marnier sauce or something like Mounier sauce. So you see the scallop recipe, and then it says, okay, now see recipes 42, 918, and 1126. <laughs> but when you go to one of those, the butter, the herb butter is like 97 steps. And then you have the Mornay sauce is like, uh, or Mounier, whatever, whatever sauce you end up making is like 467 steps. And you can't make it, you can't store it cold. It has to be held hot and fresh. I mean, it's just... It's so complicated that I was like, okay, that one's going back on the shelf and uh, maybe never. I don't think I've ever dusted it back off again. I mean, I read it religiously when I was in culinary school. Yeah, I'm a terrible cook. And sometimes whenever I want to cook and I'm learning to, to piece uh, certain things together, 
if I see that there's a whole nether mess of steps to make one ingredient, I usually like, we're just not having any of this. Uh, it's, it's changing now. The menu, the item is off the menu. We're going to do something else. <laughs> well, and that's part of the, the, uh, the, so I'll say it on the show sometimes. Uh, I don't, I don't do show prep. Well, I prep much better for life in restaurants than I do life on the radio. Sure. And <laughs> sometimes I'll get halfway through a recipe. And I'm like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Huh? No, that, and then I, I, so I spend a minute researching, oh, I didn't actually read the recipe. I just assumed that this is what they meant because this was the type of recipe. So pre-reading the recipe, knowing the ingredients and the methodology that are coming up are really important. Doing your prep work. Well, uh, before we end up uh, rounding out the last of this hour, since you are one of the main producers for the Spoonie uh, Digital Radio Station, we will get to why you ended up joining Spoonie Radio, etc. But tell us a little bit about some of the other shows that uh, Ken and I are just now joining. A little so, bit. so you mentioned Elisa Shakespeare. She, um, she actually has a, um, her show, No Butts Too Big is phenomenal. She's a very energetic uh, young lady, but she had some health issues and she owns a company called uh, Total Cluster Fudge, which is, uh, <laughs> which, that's, that's, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? And so um, there's another new one called something Monkey Butts, but that one is actually, that one is, uh, is the healthy version of the dessert she does now for Total Cluster Fudge. And as this dessert manufacturer, she had to stop eating the things that she makes. And these, uh, these are carried in um, uh, convenience stores and Costco, and they're sold over the Internet, and uh, some restaurants use them as well. But she, uh, it's just great. She, talks, she, tells you, she walks you through healthy uh, tips and tricks to uh, just lead a healthier life every day. And along those lines is Gwen Rich of The Rich Solution. Rich Solution. Yeah, she's got stage four cancer for the last six and a half years. She's, uh, she's lived way past her expiration date, as she and her husband, uh, um, Adam, say. But she was misdiagnosed for eight years before that. So she gives tips uh, on eating more uh, with uh, more nutritional value more healthful, and how to, if you haven't been diagnosed, how to prevent being diagnosed as best as possible. Wow. And that's uh, it, the very first show I did with Doc Thompson, mm -hmm. that, you know, rest his soul. Yeah, um, you were supposed to sit in on my show, but he said, no, I'm going to take him so he can get out here early. I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay, that means well, he didn't do show prep. Well, what I love is this is getting, leaning into it. Like, I, I think we can do a show where we can include the chemistry and say, how do we make these things healthier? Like, increase your sulfurophane and mm -hmm. stuff like that, urolithins, all these big words that basically you're going to eat well and you're going to be healthier. Well, I don't, I mean, uh, we have room for plenty more shows. So if you want to collaborate, uh, we're ready to go. Yeah, we got, so yeah, we got oh. a half a minute here before we have to wrap this, uh, this part up. So if you're watching now, stay tuned. Uh, you can always check out lovemytummy.com forward slash Spoonie to, uh, pick up Autron Teal, kbmdhealth.com. You can pick up your KBMD CBD next half hour. We're going to talk to, uh, chef Patrick a little bit more about not just what he's done as a chef or what brought him to Spoonie, but also you also are quite uh, experienced with CBD, um, chef, uh, Patrick in terms of... I want of, the stories. Yeah. I want the real <laughs> late night chef stories. Well, you know, stories. I kid getting hot now. We'll talk about that. We'll see you here right, shortly. This is the only 24-hour, take-anywhere platform dedicated to food and fun. We're Spoonie. News this hour from townhall.com. I'm Rich Thomason. The FBI joining a criminal investigation of the FAA's certification process for the Boeing 737 MAX 8 jetliner. Two of the planes have crashed since October, killing more than 300 people. There are a number of inquiries getting underway, including one by the Transportation Department Inspector General and another investigation by Congress. 
In the wake of the mosque shootings, New Zealand's government banning military-style semi-automatic firearms and high-capacity magazines. And Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern says additional gun control measures are in the pipeline. There is more to be done. In tranche two, we'll look at issues around licensing, uh, issues around registration, issues around storage. Uh, There are a range of other amendments that we believe do need to be made, and that will be the second tranche of reforms yet to come. Following a visit to Ohio today finds President Trump in Michigan. In Grand Rapids tonight, the president will address supporters at a Make America Great Again political rally. His trip to West Michigan follows a day trip to politically important Ohio yesterday, where he reminded factory workers about the economic gains during his time in office. With 2020 Democratic candidates already crisscrossing the country, look for President Trump to also be traveling to states that will be crucial for his re-election. Greg Clugston at Joint Base Andrews in Maryland. National Guard troops have been called in. Residents being told to stay inside after elevated levels of benzene were detected near a Houston-area petrochemical storage facility that caught fire this week. Several school districts also canceling classes for the day, citing bad air quality. The National Weather Service is warning that flooding in parts of South Dakota and northern Iowa could soon reach historic levels. Floodwaters have driven a lot of people out of their homes across several Midwestern states. Wall Street, the Dow up 57 points, the S&P 7 points higher. More on these stories at townhall.com. If you're trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252-800-296-1252-800-296-1252-800-296-1252. It looks like you're losing. I am. Are you losing weight? I am losing. I've lost about 10 pounds. How are you doing it? Funny name, but I've done it with Riduzone. RADUZone.com and the stuff works. It's, you know, you get into all that, the molecule this and the found in that. All I can tell you is it, it's a, it makes you feel full and it keeps your mind off of wanting to overeat. And also boosts your metabolism yeah, so you're it burning does. more. Yeah, it Try does. it today. It's going to work for you like it's worked for Brad and countless other people. RIDUZone.com. RIDUZone.com. Fast Track student loans can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop collection calls, and stop seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and get your student loan payments down to as little as $25 a month based on what you can afford to pay. 800-709-4390 Spoonie. Food and fun. Okay, we are back for another half hour of Gut Check Project. It's uh, me, Eric Rieger. I'm joined here with your host, Dr. Kenneth Brown. This is awesome. 
So uh, this next half hour is going to be hilarious because we're going to get into chef stories. But more importantly, I want to make sure we're doing a good job. We have our interim producer, Marie Rieger. How are we doing? Hey, guys, you sound awesome. Good job. All right. We have uh, also our guest here. I, did, I would like to oh. add, uh, Chef Patrick, when you uh, speak to Eric, make sure you speak into the microphone. Oh, so we want to go like this. So make sure I keep. Okay. So there, there's kind of something I have to tell everybody about. <laughs> she's got yeah. instructions already. Oh, wow. Oh. So she's been she's been a producer for all of about uh, what one hour. She's got it down. <laughs> she's <laughs> so Chef so, Patrick. You need to start doing this. Yeah. Eric, I want you to stand up tighter. And I want to... We have this thing. Guys have this thing. Uh, I have to always tell people to come in the studio keep the microphone close and everyone looks at me with disdain. I'm like, look, I know guys have this phobia about putting something phallic looking right up to your mouth, but just do it if you want to have a good show. Smile and wave, smile and wave. You'll be okay. Smile and wave. How's he sounding now, Marie? Better. Much better, yes. Nice, nice. Well, uh, we left off this last half hour basically talking about your journey on how to become a chef and where you've been. We learned that he spoke Japanese and, and German and a little bit of Spanish. And uh, if he traveled and, and and at the age of five was able to close a cow colon, yeah, tie it off, tie it off. Your colon closer. Five. Hey, he man. was climbing up the. Oh my goodness, that's like, yeah. like, like it would like have been awesome. If they made you every, actually everything about that last half hour makes me just feel bad yeah. about myself. Why didn't you bring your homework for kindergarten? Well, I was tying <laughs> off cow anus. It would have been awesome if they made me climb the cow instead of a ladder, though. <laughs> <laughs> with a knife in your hand and the rope around your neck. And like, <laughs> oh. Well, uh, tell us a little bit more about your journey now that we're joining here in the next, uh, for starting the next half hour. You have moved into not just chef work, but you've also been exploring CBD. So mm-hmm. I know you've got a story behind it. What in the world brought a chef who's now on a digital radio station to explore CBD. Well, Jeff Spicoli was my, was my hero back in high school. No, right. not really. No, no. So, um, <laughs> but because my, my mother died in a diabetic coma, you heard my father passed of pancreatic cancer and, um, my mom died in Oh one. And about that time I'd actually heard about, uh, they discovered CBD and that was mid eighties, I think when they discovered it, but they were really starting to realize that, um, well, they'd made the big push and medical cannabis was now legal in, uh, in, uh, California. They're working on Colorado. And so, um, I was just fascinated by the, how that worked in the body. And I, I, I don't like the psychotropic effects of, of, um, chemical THC, substances. Yeah. yeah. And THC in specific, because, you know, as a chef, I always want to feel like I'm in control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that personality thing. But uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I really, um, I never really partook in it. But when I found out about the, the CBDs and how they affect the body, I got I became fascinated, and so I just uh, I got involved in a business that was related to that, and and now I'm actually a, a partner in a medical cannabis related business and and uh, and tech company oh, wow. in, in uh, Massachusetts. So. Nice. But we do a lot of really high CBD, extremely low THC strains and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. So uh, my my experience and the reason why I'm so into CBD is that, you know, I kind of had a hero's journey where I saw some incredible effects. Did you have anything like that happen? Yeah. So, uh, you know, and I think I, I, I brushed over that a little bit with my children. But um, so my son and daughter have a I have a 20 year old son and a 70 year old daughter. And when my son was 12. He kept having these um, ankle injuries playing soccer. And he was trying to get into the Olympic development pool and kind of grow that way. Um Anyway, so about the third time we took him in for an ankle sprain in like six months, uh, we took him to a, a specialist, a podiatrist, and she goes, wow, he has really long, high arches, and his ankles are kind of rolled out. Do you think he has CMT? And we're like, CMT, I don't know what CMT is, but so Charcot-Marie-Tooth syndrome um, causes 
a degradation of the neural pathways between in the in the extremities. It causes uh, a type of um, neuro uh, what neuropathy, peripheral neuropathy. Mm-hmm. Sure. And what happens with that? Then the 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 small muscles um, start to weaken. The bone structure starts to deform. So a lot of children or or adults with uh, with CMT will have like limp wrist, where the the wrist turns in and down a little bit. And it's extremely painful. It can be. Well, actually, it, it can be painful, but in this case, you actually start to lose uh, sensation. So my son at 12 was about uh, between 17 and 18% deficient in the pass-through of, um, of you know, uh, well, the, the impulse from uh, knee, elbow to fingertip and knee to toe. Okay. So um, after testing, they're like, well, there's not really much you can do. Just keep him strong. They put him on physical therapy. Um, there's no treatment for it. It's gen- It's genetic. So... Um, over time, my daughter started getting injuries and uh, my son went off to a, to A&M, Texas A&M at 18. And as, as he was like a, a 18 in a week, I think it, his birthday just occurred. He starts school and he was a competitive tennis player. So I know you have uh, tennis players in the family and, um, or one of you do. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. yeah. We're the and, tennis family. They're the basketball yeah. family. Ah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> state championships. Just, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, he was having ankle injuries there. So, <clears throat> When he came out of that that program, um, the only thing I'd found, I'd done thousands of hours of research looking for anything that could help them. And the only treatment they say is stay strong, be active, don't get fat. That's the three ways that you treat yourself. Because wow. there's there's nothing else that they've known to, to um, cause any, um, actually to delay the effects of it, if, if, it, if it is going to progress further, um, than staying strong and healthy. And so he was very active, but... I found this, this article about CBDs actually on that we- a website that I shared with you um, called echoconnection.org. And uh, I did some reading. I called some friends. I talked to a guy, uh, uh, another doctor, physician in California. Anyway, so I just, I ordered him. I said, look, you take this twice a day and let's see what happens. And not only did his focus on his schoolwork go way up and his grades started to get better, um, six months, less than six months later, we took him to the Texas um, A&M. They have a research facility where they do um, studies on, neck, back, and spine injuries, but they also do some neural uh, 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 testing and things like neurological testing. So first they, they didn't look for the, they did not look for the genetic marker on that one. They, we know he has it. So uh, what they did do is they did a, a more comprehensive testing on uh, the neural pathways than he had had originally the first two times. And it was back to a hundred percent. So oh, and it, the, now before he was down, you said 17, 18%. Yeah, but he was probably down about 25% by the time we took him in, by the time gracious. he went in th- this time to, to be tested. So I'm going to kick that over and break something. So <laughs> Marie's also going to scold you for, I know I did. Get away from the back, back away from your microphone. You know, here, I'm going to just, I'm going to be a rock star. Back. I'll sit back. <laughs> I'll, I'll play Doc Thompson today. Just kind of, uh, this is my studio. So to recap dude. though, your son, the, the biggest change that he made though was simply just adding the CBD. That was the only change he made. The only change that was made in his diet, you know, I was very, very, he's a very clean eater. He actually started cooking his own food. He was off his meal ticket, uh, at school and, um, he was, he was on a very, um, uh, enthusiastic, uh, weight training program that he designed himself. And so, but that was the only thing that changed in his diet and, uh, exercise regimen at all. I mean, when we look at this, it, if you realize that Charcot Marie tooth syndrome affects the nerves, and we know that CBD or the endocannabinoid system is deeply rooted in the nerves. Then when that you start decreasing that inflammatory process. And what I love is that you just said the, the key here is he changed his diet. We know that food can be just like medicine and it can actually help out. So here we have a college student that's on 
CBD and eating his own food, not eating on the diet plan. That's mm-hmm. amazing. And he'd been, well, I mean, and, and at home, he was a very clean eater as well. He's like the one person in the family that doesn't like desserts. He won't eat cookies. He doesn't like anything with frosting on it. Um, very low sugar intake, refined sugar. Uh, liked fruit, but didn't live on it. Um, Does he have gluten issues? None. None that I'm aware of. You know, I would like to ask you a question. Like he has, um, his hands and feet are always cold, but I, he does have hair, so I know the follicles can't really... They can't, you know, you can't grow hair with any, without any, um, we thought, I thought it might be circulatory, but I don't know. That's not what we it's certainly still can because yeah. there's something called Renaud's syndrome. I know. Yeah. yeah. Where if you get a little cold then you, you're, uh, it's an autoimmune, it's a component of autoimmune disease where your arteries sort of clamp down mm-hmm. and, um, it's, it's almost a warning sign for autoimmune diseases. Hmm. Well, we'll talk about that later. Oh, we'll bring in some more. Yeah. And, and, uh, people all over the place have uh, Renaud's syndrome. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not uncommon. Yeah. I mean, you say it just kind of matter of fact that all of a sudden, you know, he had 100% improvement there. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where people hear these stories and you feel like you're being sold something, but you say it very genuinely. It's like, well, look, this thing made a difference in his life. And that's why people are so passionate about CBD. No, absolutely. And, and look, I, got, I have nothing to gain by telling the story. I don't, not financially. Um, sure. I'm not, our, our production facility isn't even open yet. We're still in the middle of building it. And our tech company's uh, about $14 million away from making money. So if you want to join in and <laughs> invest in the future of, uh, of the industry, uh, go ahead. But uh, yeah, there's, uh, I, I just tell my story to share with people. So uh, what did you do when you did, when, whenever he told you how he felt and you knew that it was a real difference. It wasn't, it wasn't just subjective. It was an objective improvement for him. You mentioned his grades, you mentioned mm-hmm. his, his mood, his energy, et cetera. So those are things as a parent, I know that you would be able to easily perceive how, what did you want to do with that information right off the bat? And how did people receive it when you shared it? Well, um, immediately I started taking the product and I started giving it to my daughter. Okay. All right. And so, um, because I wanted to know what the effects were and I'll be honest with you. I, for someone who is so well-versed in the, in the, uh, in the industry, I don't take it on a regular basis. I don't know why I have this. It's just, it, it just falls off the plate with so to speak, uh, when, when I look at my daily supplementation, but, um, but so I put my daughter on it right away. And then, uh, I went to a meeting with, uh, some people that were interested in CBDs. There was a conference going on and I spoke, I, I gave, I just told my son's story. I told my story, my son's story from my perspective. And then, um, you know, I just, I, I have been an advocate ever since. Wow. Uh, And we all have kids and seeing your kids suffer from anything. Just, well, there's no way I I can't, um, that's gotta be the, the, the greatest loss for, for anyone ever is to lose a child. But even when they're ill, I mean, or they don't feel well, they can't tell you why they don't feel well. Um, it, it is heartbreaking especially when you know they're in pain. My son was having constant ankle injuries and um, yeah, it was, just, it was, it was painful to watch. He would, he would just recover. I remember he was, he, he was a pretty competitive tennis player. He played at a private club in the woodlands. He was in a tournament and um, rolled his ankle, had to take uh, nine weeks off, you know, physical therapy, four days a week. The first match he plays doubles with a player he's never played with. They paired him with an adult player and, um, and he goes out and second strike on the ball rolls his ankle again. Hmm. Yeah, it was, it was really sad. I mean, just couldn't, couldn't maintain terrible, but he'll never, but that's the thing. It CBDs are great at repairing the pathway. His, um, you can't ever reshape the structure of the feet. I mean, you can, but that surgery is really risky. Sure. So, you know, which, which shows that 
as a chef, we were talking about this kind of on break about using CBD in cooking and these things. Have you been doing any of that? I have. So uh, actually, I, I do a cooking show, a cannabis cooking show for Purple Haze Radio, uh, which is actually Leon. Um, uh, you guys didn't know this either. This is Leon Hendricks. This is Jimi Hendricks' younger brother. He owns a company called Purple Haze Radio and another one called Purple Haze Property in California. And they're on the Dash Radio platform, which Spoonie airs on as well. Um, anyway, they asked me to do a, a cannabis cooking show. When I started doing that, that was, I don't really cook with cannabis. I cook with CBD and then I have people talk about the effects with cannabis um, or I have them talk about their dishes. But um, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating uh, science. I mean, because you, CBD, especially, you can only heat to a certain point before it starts to break down. So when you're baking, say, cookies or dog treats, uh, which you, know, you were speaking about in the last show, if you get over, I want to say, 360 or 365, it starts to break down the, the you know, cannabidiol in specific, CBD itself. I did not know that, did yeah. you? No, I didn't know that. So, oh. so cookies are a little softer and more gooey and crumbly, but, I mean, uh, it's still a fascinating science. It's, it's fun to work with. And it's just, it's in its infancy, really. Uh, we're just learning about it. And as we mentioned on the last show, at some point, I'm a gastroenterologist. We will have endocannabinologists. Absolutely. As doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a company here, actually. There's some gentlemen I had on the show that I interviewed, and they have a, um, they're doing CB now, CBD now, CBD infused meals for veterans. They're all veterans. And uh, they all have some sort of um, scars from that, whether they're emotional or physical. And they all noted that either medical cannabis or CBDs were very, very helpful in treating their, um, their health issues. Sure. And, um, and so they started a company. They founded a company here that that's what they do. It's Cloud9 Meals. And uh, now they're waiting. As the medical cannabis side uh, will eventually open up in Texas, then they'll work on putting the THC component in there. But for now, they deliver CBD-infused uh, meals to veterans. That is amazing. Now you, you said, and you mentioned earlier in the last half hour that you know that food is something, food is medicine. You can help people feel better. Do you find that uh, getting into uh, being a cannabis chef, that it's simply a, a, a stronger extension on your mission to help people eat better and eat and enjoy what they're eating? Yeah, I mean, it is. But here's the, here's the thing. Chefs are uh, notorious for not leading the lifestyle that they advocate <laughs> for. Nor do they nor do they typically eat the food that they're putting on the plate for the diners. Uh, uh, meals in restaurants are very, uh, you know, we talk about family meal in a restaurant. A lot of times there's just not time for family meal. So what we do as chefs is we, we allow them to have family meal. We're doing the scrambling for the last, you know, it's like um, <clears throat> we're like the duck's butt underwater while the great, the swan is gracefully going along. That's the, that's the um, controlled chaos you see in the restaurant the chef is running around in circles like the legs under the water that look like you, know, you can't even see them they're can so you describe what it's like so i'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of all those movies like chef and burnt mm-hmm. and whatever hundred foot journey and all those things like i love watching those kind of things it's molten <laughs> <laughs> i love that movie by the way chef is one of my all-time favorite uh culinary movies oh yeah i love it so describe to me what the last hour is and i know eric you've actually worked in the restaurant industry but I, I haven't. So, like, what is it like when you're closing down the restaurant? Tell me what the what time you're going home, all that stuff. Okay, so um, I, I typically worked in restaurants that would close around 10 p.m., 10.30, um, or sometimes they'll have a bar menu. So you may be there till midnight. Um, all right, so basically... The chef runs off the line to start the orders, and as you're doing the orders, you, you try to gauge whether or not you can shut down the fryer. Is it is it Are you going to get more 
guess, because if not, that saves you 20 minutes later or an hour. We get letting it warm down enough to take the oil out, you know, uh, clean it. So while you're doing the orders, then you start directing. Somebody starts uh, swabbing the deck, basically, right? They start scrubbing the floor, but they don't squeegee it yet because you don't want to squeegee until everybody's feet are going to not touch the floor anymore. Then one person starts going in and pulling out everything from inside under the ca- the cabinet. So it's like 1030 if the restaurant closes at, uh, say, 11. All right. Uh, they start pulling all the food out, changing everything. Um, well, taking stock of how much is left in every pan of every ingredient and flipping, we call them flipping pans. You put it in a, a new fresh container, a clean one, and all the dirty stuff goes to the, uh, to the dishwasher. Now the dishwasher starts getting grumpy because now his stuff's piling up. So you have to bring either a cup of coffee or a drink. All right. To calm him down and say, Hey, wait, wait, we got a, we got a, well, a lobster we burnt. You can have that too. Take it home for your kids. <laughs> right, so, cause I'll tell you the dishwasher, no matter what you think is the most important person in the restaurant. Cause without clean dishes, you have no palate to serve on. So no, take care of your dishwasher. Definitely. So then the chef uh, gets the orders done, checks the line, make sure the food is going out, goes in to call the orders in. Um, and then you start cutting people. You're like, okay, it's really slow. You cut everybody, but one person. Now it's 1030 or 1035. And, um, maybe 1045. That one person's like, Hey chef, I'm going to step out and have a smoke. Would you watch the line? So you're, you're like, fine. Yeah. So you take your cell phone out, you're calling in orders. All of a sudden the ticket machine goes, it's the sound of money and frustration, right? It's like uh, 20 top just walked in chef. Hey, do you think you might've told me I cut everybody like 15 minutes ago? Well, I'm sorry. They just walked in. They just, I, we were still open. I have to serve them. So now you have two people trying to serve a 10 or 20 top. Um, and you're still trying to get the orders in on time. Um, you're trying to clean all the stainless, like everything in the kitchen gets scrubbed from, you know, head to toe every night. All the hoods, they get wiped down. They get cleaned. You can't have grease dripping on the food the next day. Uh, all the filters from so the hoods. So that part in burnt where they really do scrub down everything, everything. at night, mm-hmm. that's daily. That's daily. Oh. Yeah. And some, a lot of that gets done between shifts. Like everything from the waist down in, a re- in the restaurants I operate gets cleaned twice a day. So after lunch and then at the end of the night as well. And I come in the next morning and if I didn't close the restaurant down, you walk, first thing I do is walk the restaurant with a notepad. And start looking at all little things that I notice. I, I open doors and say, okay, this door didn't get closed all the way. The temperature's too high in here because you have a thermometer in every single door for every undercounter refrigerator. I had to throw out this, 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 and this. Okay, so you, you either gotta, you gotta make it up. Uh, you get, you owe me a, an extra shift. You don't, you get paid for it, but somebody needs a night off. You get to take their. Sh- I mean, I wouldn't do that, but you, you threaten to. So I, it's been a long time since I've worked in a restaurant, but. From my experience and how I recall it, you've only described about 10% of shutting down the restaurant. Oh, anyway. that's not, yeah, yeah. No, not to mention the drinking that goes on just so you can kind of shut your brain down <laughs> enough to be able to function yeah, to drive okay, home without so running now, over the, yeah. the nearest diner. Yeah, so now you're a chef, you're shutting down mentally, mm-hmm. but you're doing all this, so you're not eating yet. So I have, nope. I've had friends, and correct me if this is wrong, but they're like, yeah, it's not uncommon to be in a drive through line at Whataburger on the way home. Oh, dude, Jack in the Box dollar tacos, baby. Deep for nothing like a deep fried taco to fill you up at two o'clock. You just in the got done doing a uh, Japanese Asian fusion <laughs> art slash chemistry. Two hundred dollars, two hundred dollars per person for an eight course meal. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm going to go through the dollar menu. You know, so for me, a late night, I mean, there is a lot of fast food eating in, in, um, in restaurant in the restaurant world, just because a you're crunch for time. A lot of times you can't afford the food that you're serving. If you're, uh, you know, the employee meal, the employee menu does not, uh, typically, typically offer uni. So, um, uh, so that's what they do. You eat fast, you eat close, you get back to work. Uh, for me, I like to eat when I get home. So I used to eat a lot of cereal. We had this discussion. I used to eat a lot of cereal, which I've cut out by the way now. Um, but for me, a can of black beans, 
uh, some diced tomato, some diced red onion, some fresh cilantro leaves, uh, squeeze a lemon or lime juice, some olive oil, uh, fresh garlic, and typically chipotle powder. And then if I was really ambitious, oh, and diced avocado. That that was like a meal at the end of the night for me. If I was really ambitious, I'd fry an egg and put it on there. Um, or, I, you know, and depending on my, my mood, I may or not put a bunch of additional hot sauce on there. Um, salt and pepper. Speaking of mood. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there's a lot of depression in yeah. the medical field. And there's a lot of depression in the chef. Industry. What is it? The chef industry? The food? I don't want to say food industry. Restaurant industry. Food, restaurant, food and beverage. Food, yeah. food and beverage. Yeah, but that's, that's but the chefs that. are very different. It's mm-hmm. very different from... I mean, they're a unique breed. We are, uh, <clears throat> we are very stubborn. We, um, we're kind of, um, gluttons for punishment in, in a way. And we, we subject ourselves to a uh, day in, day out. You know, it's not uncommon to go into a bar. A lot of places have, um, uh, industry night. So on a night that's typically slow in restaurants, like Tuesday night, when people can go out and, or they get off their shift early, then you go to another restaurant, they have an industry night. They offer a discount typically on drinks and, and appetizers. The sin night. Yeah. Yeah. Basically you can pay for it tomorrow morning one way or the other. Um, but chefs will be sitting around and be like, Oh, how you doing? Oh, you look like crap. What's going on? Oh man, we're in the middle of opening. I just worked like 85 hours. This week. Like 85, man, we've been open for three years. I just worked 110. <laughs> Dude, you guys are babies. Uh, I, I'm like 97 days into, into uh, no days off. So shut up, you know, and, but it's, it's this, these bragging rights, you know, and um, it's unfortunate because we don't need to subject ourselves to that. We are control freaks though, because our name's on the menu. Um, and, when you get to a, you cannot get to a certain level without a passion and dedication uh, to serve that is uncommon in people. You can't just a, probably the same in your field. I'm, I'm absolutely sure it is. It's no different because it's no different. at the end of a shift in uh, in a restaurant, I can still remember it kind of becomes a fraternity because mm-hmm. every you close at 1030, but no one's leaving there until 1130 when everything's been cleaned up. And the first thing you're going to do is go and find the other watering hole that's still open until mm-hmm. two so y'all can hang out because y'all got off the work at the same time you don't want to go home and shower because you're wearing mm-hmm. the the clothes that smell like the onions that you oh, yeah. you're around all day and you haven't been eating well you've been dipping croutons in the sour cream as you mm-hmm. go through all, all day long because <laughs> that's you, gonna, how did you know because that's gonna that's gonna tide you over oh. that's what's gonna complete your meal until it's time to go and meet your friends out wherever you're gonna go hang out that night and those guys that are serving you they're not gonna finish until 3 a.m and they're gonna go hang out until four it's just a vicious this cycle. sounds so exhausting and then it is. you know we won't even this is a whole separate episode but sleep deprivation and what it does to your body mm-hmm. and what it makes your body crave. And oh, terrible, yeah. terrible, terrible sugary, oh. fatty stuff. Yeah. yeah. Terrible yeah. food on but, top of all that. Yeah. How, it, it, how's that different than a nurse working all day in the oh, hospital? Yeah. So my, my big, my three big pillars are gut health, brain health, and sleep. If I can get, and that's what our member box is all going to be about. It's going to be about protecting those three pillars. You're going to become a better person all around. I agree. And the thing is, look at the industries. We make doctors work shifts. I mean, when I did residency, we had no time constraint on hours. I mean, so it became that martyr thing. Might oh, be, really? It might be 30 hours yeah. before you go take a nap. I had, oh, really? I've been uh, I've been up for, you know, 36 hours straight. I had 22 admits last night. And that's, you know, it's, it's exactly that. Yep. It's the martyrdom of the, the fatigue. Now I look back on it and I'm just like, stupid. <laughs> we make pilots that can only fly so much because you don't want them fatigued. 
Yeah, the fatigue Boom. becomes a badge of honor that's worthless. And then you almost feel bad about saying that you don't want to be here. I'm too tired to work. And then you start thinking, I can't say that. Next time my uni mm. doesn't taste right, I'm going to go, that's chef. <laughs> he has not had enough sleep. It's all time and temperature. It's all time and temperature. <laughs> yeah, we, it's, it's, it's a, it is a, it is a vicious cycle because once you get deep into it, you're right. You can't backtrack. No, you can't or backtrack. Or at least you think you can't. Well, and you, would, you, you don't you want can. to look weak either. You yeah. don't feel like you're pulling your own weight. It's the same thing in the hospital setting too. Yeah, exactly. Wait, Eric, Mark, we got about 30 seconds. Yeah. You want to close this out out of the bottom of this one? So the next half hour um, is going to be great. It's going to be a little bit different. We've got a quiz show that you may not know about. Woo-hoo, That's I right. But, well, I did not I know about now. this either. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> you and I are being sprung quiz shows. <laughs> we are. And so we're going to talk about a little bit of the similarities between uh, the hospital and the uh, restaurant environment, but they both have their own language. A little bit of jargon between the two. You may think you know them. We're going to find out how well these two guys know it too. We'll see you in a little bit. Got an old car? You can donate it, whether it's running or not, to the United Breast Cancer Foundation and save a life. They'll even come and pick it up for free. The United Breast Cancer Foundation has saved hundreds of women's lives through their free or low-cost breast screen exams. But now they need your help. The United Breast Cancer Foundation wants to save more lives through early detection by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And donating your old car, SUV, or truck, whether it's running or not, helps pay for them. Plus, you get a charitable tax deduction. Help the United Breast Cancer Foundation save lives by donating your old car, SUV, or truck. Call now for free pickup. 800-245-0823. Call right now. That number again is 800-245-0823. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252. Okay, we are now back for the last segment of Episode 3 of Gut Check Project. I'm Eric Rieger here with our first guest, or I'm sorry, our second guest, Chef Patrick Mosier, and of course your host, Dr. Kenneth Brown. Yes, and of course we um, we have to give good props here. We have a brand new producer. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and talk about this real quick. Get out of the way, real quick. This is Autron Teal. If you want to pick up your own Autron Teal, developed by your own host here, Dr. Kenneth Brown. Go to lovemytummy.com forward slash Spoonie. Use Spoonie for a discount. Lovemytummy.com forward slash Spoonie. We just heard how much 
um, poor Chef Patrick has gone through in his life. Yeah. Show some love. Use that coupon code so that uh, his effort right now after doing all this um, gets paid off. And then, of course, go to kbmdhealth.com. CBD with also a lot of information regarding that. All right. Just order a case for the whole family, please. Yes, please, please do, do this. Do. I mean, after hearing, and, and we're going to get into some more right now, but the restaurant industry is tough. Lots of lack of sleep, and it's, um, it is hard. Hey, so, shout out for, to Marie for producing. So, yeah. So, we have a first-time producer today, Marie, because Chef Patrick is actually the producer of our show. So, he's sitting on the other side of the booth. And uh, Marie, are we uh, are we doing okay? Yes, uh, you're doing great. And I would like to uh, make this my audition to get on the Purple Haze show. <laughs> oh, um, from a consumption or a, 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 a both? Uh, Either way. <laughs> hey, so, absolutely. You know, we're actually interviewing somebody right now. Right now, you don't think Eric's interrupting too much or anything, do you? No, I, I know what that sounds like when he interrupts, <laughs> and he is not doing it. Good job, Eric. Huh. Thank, thank, thank you. I think. <laughs> A backhanded compliment, maybe? Yeah, <laughs> either way, either way. Well, uh, of course, uh, Marina, we met in the restaurant. I was... Uh, oh, I didn't know that, really? Yeah, yeah, we did. I was a bartender, she was a waitress. And uh, so that's where that's where we hit it off. And it, it was it was one of those those late nights going to the bar that was open after we were closed. This is hilarious that we're tying this in with the restaurant industry, and that's how you two met, because me and Lloyd met at a hospital. Nice. Yeah. Huh. Nice. Thunk it. Yeah. Interesting. Well, uh, Chef Patrick, we are going to uh, to make our way through a little bit of the similarities between uh, hospital life and restaurant life here in just a moment. Do we want to get anything else out of the way before we do? Well, that? I was going to say, do you have any any anecdotal fun stories or anything? Or Marie, can you uh, tee anything up here that uh, you remember of being a funny story? Well, uh, we had a great relationship with our kitchen staff back and forth. We it was just they were cool guys, great relationship, but there was. Uh, a day where the dish pit guy and Eric were both having a terrible day. And yeah. Oh, this sounds like a good story. Yeah. Sometimes. Well, so you had said we were closing down at 1030 and uh, Marie thanks a lot for bringing it up. Uh, so uh, we were closing down and he didn't want to take on some of the plates of a, a large top that I brought back. And as I set them into the dish pit, he basically just saw the stack and pushed it right back uh, towards me and said, <laughs> I ain't doing it. And I was pretty ticked off, so I said, yeah, you are. And we met at the back of the kitchen, and, uh, well, we started exchanging blows with our with our fists, and everybody <laughs> came over and separated us. But thankfully, because of that fraternal instinct that you have working in a restaurant, we met later that night and uh, and basically numbed the pain together away at, uh, at the local jazz restaurant in Lubbock. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, the only thing better than that one I think I've seen, I saw two... Uh Two brothers have a knife fight in the kitchen. One oh, yeah. We weren't that bad. Mm-hmm. No, no. Luckily, there was only one small gash in the shoulder. But, you know, <laughs> me with my needle and thread. Shut up. You're fine. You're fine. Go back to work. <laughs> you you're, you can take a day off tomorrow. No pay, but you got to work today. Sorry. Do you have any other great uh, restaurant stories that just come to mind? Oh, Whatever. Man, there are so many. Um, <laughs> there are a couple of bad ones, but... Um, I, I, you know, we talked about the fatigue factor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I just come up with this uh, bourbon pecan pie recipe. Sounds delicious. And uh, I was getting ready to make the first big batch and I was making 12 pies and I somehow, um, in my haze of, uh, of, uh, I don't know, my, my sleep deprived haze substituted salt for the sugar. Oh. And oh. It, d- it does two things. The salt doesn't <laughs> melt like sugar does, so it doesn't it doesn't give the liquid that you need. Yeah. And um, secondly, 
uh, it just tasted really, really crappy. So, yeah, so there would go 12, 12 pies. In so the I don't think you need that gas chromatograph to show that the molecules are different. <laughs> no. no, I don't know. Not in that case, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, uh, they're number stories. And that happens all the time. Like, guys will... will um, sabotage you right they'll switch your salt and, and sugar yeah. or they'll put sugar in your salt or well, now, now wait a minute who would do this to you like why? oh guys lion cooks do it back and forth i will say there was a there was a fun little game that we would play at uh at our our mexican restaurant in uh, in lubbock and it was the actually the original home of don pablo's is where we worked and um oftentimes if you wanted to clown around with somebody who was new working with us you would say hey they just need this at table 12 and it would be nothing but a completely raw egg on a bed of lettuce and a small mug of head. <laughs> and they would go out and take it. It's like, I need to take, go, go. You need to take this now. And of course the table looking like, what the hell are you doing? And like, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not really sure. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> know what? Kind of stuff. Those hoaxes are the best actually. There's a ton of those in the restaurants, like getting the stale out, uh, the stale air out of the uh, walk-in refrigerator, yeah. going there with a trash bag and like, basically gather up the air and then go outside and let it open, then fill it up and take it back and open that one then get another bag of stale air and take it out. Or oh my gosh. You can definitely do that. Or you, whenever you're closing down the back end of the restaurant, you tell the new guy, hey, we got to make sure that the, uh, that the teapot doesn't rust, get all of the hot water out. You have to empty it until it gets cold. It never... It never doesn't turn hot. The well, whole time it's, it's, well, it's not just the restaurant industry. I mean, in, <laughs> it's the, yeah. in the medical field also, sometimes like the gastroenterologists are funny. They will play little hoaxes. Like uh, when somebody substitutes my uh, <laughs> lubricating jelly while I'm doing a colonoscopy with uh, apricot facial scrub. I don't know that that no, happens. That did not happen. It's <laughs> <laughs> never happened. And that's why I'm looking at you two like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. No, no, no. We, we do not play those kind of games in the medical field. Nah, is... never, never. We never mess with your food. No. You know what? Actually, I have to say, though, people, I've never seen anyone spit in anyone's food. When you send it back, no. typically there, I have always seen people be respectful. They might be pissed off. But I've never seen that happen. I've seen, uh, I may have one time way back in the day, dropped a steak on the floor, brushed it off, made sure nobody's looking, ran into the cold water and threw it back on the grill. But I may have. I don't, I so, don't recall. So you probably shouldn't even put it back on the grill and allow those bacteria I to know. have Crohn's prevention sure. for mm -hmm. the person that's going to eat it. Remember, we're personally, we're too sterile. We need some... We yeah. need some dirt in our life. I think I well, I don't think it was to me to midwell where it needed to be, so <laughs> <laughs> no nutrition left in that steak anyway. Ken, I sent you an email uh in between yeah, the segments what, here. Yeah, I want you, you to read that. something here because uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a little bridge building here between restaurant and uh and uh hospital life here in just a moment. If you don't mind, pull that email. Well, I'm gonna and read try it. and do this. I pulled it up and I'm like, what in the world is this? All right. <clears throat> so it appears to be a paragraph of a bunch of words put together. And this will probably make more sense to you, Chef Patrick. Perhaps. Just a right. side note, Perhaps. most paragraphs are a bunch of words put together. I don't really know where the hell you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Yeah. A bunch of words put together that are nonsensical. Oh, okay. 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 <clears throat> so this is what Eric just sent me, and I'm supposed to read it out loud. First time looking at it. Oh, man. We had over 90 covers, two 12 tops, a bunch of four tops, tons of VIPs. By nine, we were really cruising, totally slammed, had already 86 Striper and Tayton. I was running the pass when this huge pickup was happening. We were doing that really soignee risotto with chanterelles a la minute, you know? The pickup time is like 20 minutes. I got this really green cook on saute, fired her a four by four by three, half a dozen more on order. 
But when we go to plate, she's short two dang orders, so had to order fire two more on the fly. She was totally in the weeds. We were so weeded. Food's dying on the pass. The rail is jammed up with dupes. The salamanders stopped working. My porter no-showed. I really thought we might go down. So how do you think things are going? <laughs> I want to know why a salamander's in a restaurant. <laughs> it's funny. I talked about that on my show the other day. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, salamander? So, yeah. So oh. for you, uh, Chef Patrick, just so you know, I don't want to leave you out. I also uh-huh. have a little bit of jargon here from the hospital. So as you can see uh-huh. here, Ken, you, there's a lot of words that you didn't know. A lot of words or I didn't use. How they, yeah, <laughs> how they're applied here. We're going to play a quick little game mm-hmm. of... Who can answer what the hell I'm talking about? <laughs> okay. So, uh, just that just described every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in a restaurant since, <laughs> since 30 some years ago when I started cooking? I got, I got a glimpse of this, ago. and this might be something that whenever we knew we were going to have you on the show, I had a little glimpse I threw out to you. Do you know what 86 in a restaurant means? And you said you kind of heard that that might be. It, something's not around anymore. Yeah, I think it means stop it. Is what stop I it. 86 okay. that. Sold out. So, yeah, basically the, the soft part of the, of the jargon is sold out. Don't let anybody order it anymore. Or sometimes someone's like, 86, that guy, he's the hell out of here. It's yeah. kind of some looser term. Bounce. He's, yeah, he's going he's gonna to get out of there. So, um, Are you trying to get me to start using these terms with my patients? I think we should use these terms in, in terms of anybody you know, and just see how well they, how well they handle it. Yeah, it's like I have, um, you know, Mr. So-and-so, we have some bad news. <laughs> Um, that cat scan, the tumor is spreading. You're basically you're being 86 off this yeah. planet. Yeah, or, or we're gonna 86 that tumor out of there. We're gonna or we're, or we're gonna 86 that tumor. That's it. I like that better. That's yeah. that's more of a. You're gonna be just fine. I'm gonna 86 See, that my, tumor. My, my 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 head went to a dark place too. My brain is like, oh man, too bad you 86 that insurance policy a couple of years ago. <laughs> we got some bad news, sir. Wait, the first throw to you since we're talking about bad news is going to be a hospital jargon term. Then okay. since we're since we're on the topic, let's go ahead and get there. Celestial discharge. Oh, <laughs> Doc is on the roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah sort of. Basically, celestial discharge. That person's not going to make it. They've been okay. Discharged. So you, so you're 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 at a you're at a teaching hospital. You go in these big groups of of rounds. So we can talk with like the opposite side of the chef industry would be the uh, medical school residency fellowship. You know, and so the teaching hospitals are kind of funny. And so celestial discharge when somebody passes on. Mm -hmm. So, Ken, what would it mean if someone needs to drop or fire? To drop or fire? Yeah, I need you to drop X. I need you to fire X. What needs to happen? I would say that somebody has to start cooking something. Nice. Like, bing nice. Bong. I got to drop it in there. Yeah. Well, that was, was Japanese thinking, instead of, yeah. Yeah. In Japanese, it go bing bong. For, nicely done. Know, oh, yeah. I don't even want to get into that. That's a yeah, whole separate show. Sorry. But, but Japanese restaurants versus American restaurants behind the scenes. Um, <clears throat> in the Japanese restaurant, the yelling typically com- comes at the end of the shift. In uh, American restaurants, it it's like just, gung-ho? it's constant. Uh, I mean, look, I, I, and, and what's funny, we know five Those words. Are badges of shame. <laughs> we, I was, I, it's funny, I was watching that last night. Uh, yeah. That was great. So, no, I know, like, that. that I, you know, five words in a kitchen when you run the kitchen as a chef. Uh, four of them are all the F word, and the other one is please. <laughs> it's, pretty, right. it's pretty ugly. So back to you. Uh, weekend syndrome out of the hospital. Weekend syndrome. Who would have weekend syndrome, and what does it mean? Weekend syndrome. Uh oh, did I stump Ken too? No, no, no. I have a, I have an idea. All right. Yeah. 
I'll give um, you my interpretation. This is this is a unique one, though. Yeah. Uh, weekend syndrome? Uh-huh. All right. Uh, can I have one question? Is it, yeah. is, does it apply to a person that's employed in the hospital, or is it a... Mm, good a, question. Or could it be... Is it, is it the... Uh, Usually to the doc. I mean, technically somebody who is... Uh, who is employed or contracted by the hospital? Hmm. Uh, to the okay. Weekend syndrome. Uh, doesn't come in on Monday. I don't know. Does it? Uh... Tim, what do you think? I would say if you were to say weekend syndrome, it's when you're covering your partners on the weekend. Yeah, and you really just kind of do. You the, just, the you're just putting band-aids on stuff to make sure that everybody doesn't die. You're, yeah, just, the, you're just going to take care of the patients till Monday. Yeah, that makes sense. The doc, the doc <laughs> obviously sees that there could be some commitment on a critical decision to be made, but rather have his hands clean by the time Monday comes around. And I've got a little weekend syndrome. I ain't going in there to do that. I think he'll make it till Monday. Like when you show up ah. and, you're, and, you're, and you're covering the partners and you're running a huge service, you just want to make sure, do no harm. So the weekend yeah. syndrome is, well, hey, because then on <laughs> then on Monday morning, especially at the teaching hospitals on Monday morning, when you're like checking out, they're like, why didn't you order the panuvial enzymes? And you're just like, because that doesn't exist. And <laughs> the patient's still alive. Why don't you high five me and let's just get out of here because I'm tired. Ken, what does it mean when somebody hollers out all day at the restaurant? <laughs> all day? All day. In a restaurant. So, like, who's hollering? Okay, so I can use your same logic here. Who's yelling to who? Can I? I'll give you. An, I'll give you an example. Okay. Uh, sh- um, if I'm a saute cook, okay, chef, I need an all day on risotto. There's a lot of people ordering it. <laughs> well, it's it's how many orders in total do I have to prepare to meet the demands of all the tickets that are up there right now? To put it applicable, you could say um, we are two hours into our our uh, uh, procedure. What do we have left? And someone says we have eight colonoscopies all day. We have eight left. Okay, yeah. that's what it means. How all many? Day. How many? How many orders do you need to fulfill the tickets that are on the board? Right. That's exactly right. Oh, okay. That's 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 not just what to do now. That's all day from beginning to end. There could be four hundred tickets up there. So, so Chef Patrick, you're in a hospital and you're visiting a friend, and you hear someone uh-huh. holler out from the nurses' station, "We've got a code brown." <laughs> Uh-oh. And 302, and it's not a code Dr. Brown who's sitting across the table from you. Yeah. Code Brown in room 302. Hmm. Loose bowel syndrome, maybe? Clean up on aisle six? Yeah. It would be yeah. a clean up on uh, mm-hmm. aisle six, similar thing. Yeah. So if yeah. somebody has a unfortunate accident, it's going to require a little bit of work. It is a code Brown. There are various codes in the hospital. Do you have other codes that you're going to quiz him on? Oh, no. No okay. other codes. So, you know, code blue is the one that's on all the shows. Code blue, somebody's dying. Mm-hmm. There's code green where somebody goes crazy and they actually need security to show up. Code pink, baby being baby stolen. Being, yeah, baby. Really? Yeah. yeah. They use, really? Deal. They lock that. They huh? lock that. Code pink, in effect, lock, hospital gets locked I got to come up with the code pink for the uh, radio industry. I got to talk to producer Ron about, hey, Ron. Code pink, code pink, code pink. Yeah, it's all it's all <laughs> extreme lockdown. Yeah, so wow. there's all, and then they have like other ones. So, anyways, code brown is a tongue in cheek word. Yes, you know. obviously the obvious color. That was the only reason I got it because we'd say something like that in the restaurant industry too. So back to you. Now you got to put your clean thinking cap on. Uh-oh. What happens if you go into a restaurant and you were to find a bubble dancer? <laughs> <laughs> bubble dancer. Yes, a bubble dancer. It's going to make sense whenever we, we reveal the answer to you. I feel super ignorant to this. Who, I've, who would deal with bubbles? It's a dishwasher. <gasps> oh, a bubble dancer. Yeah. The dishwasher didn't show up? No, that's just what they do. That's, oh. that's kind of a derogatory term for, what are you doing back there, bubble dancing? You're like, yeah, and then so 
Yeah. Then they squirt you with a hose as you go by. (laughs) Now it makes sense why the guy punched you. Yeah, I understand. I mean, I love that term. They spray in the crotch (laughs) every time. So uh, if you were to come onto a shift to the hospital and someone says, hey, you got this patient doing this, you got this patient doing this, and over there in, in same room 302, you got a crump. You got a crump? Man, that's a... Hmm. It's okay. You don't have to I have know. no clue on this one. Man, I just this, pati- this particular patient uh, has taken a turn sorry. for the worse. That's, oh. that's what a crump is. A crump. I have not ever used that term before. That's okay. It's not a fun one. I only used bubble dancer once, and then he came and tried to kiss me, so I left. I never used it again. <laughs> yeah, this is, this, is, this is one of those quiz shows uh-huh. where, it's, where, it's, where it's funny, because you can find a lot of these things, but the reality is that, I, you know, that's... When somebody takes a turn for the worst, I take it personally sure. and I go, what did, what am I doing wrong? What did I do wrong? How am I part of this? How do I get this person out of it? Just so everybody knows, most of these terms I actually found just to validate from a Reader's Digest article. So oh, really? I'm not, I mean, I've heard most of them used in context, but some of them even die. I was like, I don't know that we necessarily yeah, talk I think that it's, way. Yeah. It's so it's, it's interesting because there, there is medical jargon and you'll hear it on, you know, all the shows you know, the people are watching Grey's Anatomy and whatnot like that. But just like you're saying, people typically don't spit on food. The reality is, is that your doctors are extremely respectful. Oh, yeah. Personally and, involved. And Absolutely. personally involved. Yeah. Ownership of it. You know, everyone that I work with owns that. So you, it's mostly any type of medical jargon going on is usually something that's kind of a little bit light and playful. So, Ken, if you were in the hospital, I mean, I'm sorry, in a restaurant and you heard that something was going to be cremated or to kill it. What's happening? Um, they're serving live octopus that will be clubbed at the table. I want you to think Chuck Scott style. <laughs> <laughs> we will turn this piece of meat into beef jerky yes, before it's ready to be served. Exactly. <laughs> I got it. Uh, Chuck Scott is our CEO, and every time we have a steak, he likes it well done. And I just I cringe because I'm from Omaha. My dad was a butcher. I like my stuff rare mm-hmm. so it's funny because we're on the opposite spectrum that's funny yeah. my dad liked okay. it blue like real hot pan 45 seconds each side cold in the middle but <laughs> but so there's a funny story i have about that um i was working in san diego at this uh, place on coronado island called uh, poe's it was owned by chart house uh-huh. and we had a guy send his filet back like three times i'm like so i took the filet i took a new filet i seared it on the grill and i threw it in the deep fryer for about 11 minutes and sent it out he goes well, i don't know what you did but that was like the best steak i've ever had and i'm like <laughs> There you go. I tried to screw it up, and I couldn't even get it right. <laughs> so, Chef Patrick, yes. you're hanging out in the ER, and then suddenly you- I'm getting eat- depressed. I'm spending a lot of time in the hospital. No, no. This, <laughs> this is, this, they, these are just they're small scenarios. We're actually still in the Spoonie Network. Um, but you do hear one nurse talking to another, and they're kind of laughing, saying, that one over there has got uh, nothing but straight 100% Fabian's. What are they? What's, what's going on uh, with them? <laughs> Fabians. Fabians. Is that, uh, yeah. Let's see. Is that something, somebody who's uh, maybe hypochondriac? Or, it's uh, definitely uh, an acronym, and it stands for felt awful, but I'm all right now syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> you, by the time you get to the hospital, like, I'm okay. So, so, sto- so acronyms get used a lot. So when I was, uh, you know, and most of the really good stories, in medicine take place when you're in training because you have time to think about it and then you get off shift and then you go talk about it and they become a memory yeah when you're really working you're just working you know you've got a lot of stuff to do um 
I don't remember. I think it was sleep it off. So SIF syndrome. And I was in San Antonio and there was just so many patients that you had patients lined up in the hallways. Oh. You had every room full. <clears throat> and, um, I was assigned, uh, you know, like these, you're an, I'm an intern. I'm literally, it's my first month of residency. So I'm an intern and you just get assigned all these rooms. And I remember this distinctly. I can't, I mean, I'm, I'm going to date myself when I say how long ago this was, but it was so many years ago and it was so distinct where you're just like picking up charts or like here. And you know, the, the charge nurse goes, here you go, do this one. You're it's it. And I look up at the board and it says, sleep it off. And so it's a, somebody that's super drunk just needs to sleep it off. And I go over and <clears throat> it happens to be a, a homeless man who had come in and he was not feeling good. And I wake him up and I look at him and he looks at me and he's got a totally blown pupil on one side oh. and then vomits oh, no. on me immediately. And I was like, this is not a sleep it off. Guy had a brain hemorrhage 15 oh. minutes later. They were doing a burr hole right yeah. in the hallway, drilling oh, into wow. his brain, releasing the pressure. Yeah. So it's, you know, you sit there and look back and you're like, it said sleep it off. That acronym is wrong. Yeah. That's why uh. you still have to go look at people and say, well, you know, and little things like that where you're like, wow, that happened. No, I have to read the tickets twice in the restaurant. That's because my eyes are getting bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, sleep it off though. I mean, that, that's yeah, probably great. happened more often. I mean, honestly. 99% of the time it's going to be a sleep it up. Yeah. It's yeah. just that one time. The, it every, only takes once. Yeah. It only takes once to remind yourself. Ken, what does it mean to, uh, to use the low boy? If you're working in the kitchen, what does it mean to use the low boy? That's when you go to the restroom and the only urinal available is the one that's for the little kids. Yeah. It's really, really close. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a funny explanation though. It's the under counter refrigeration. Yeah. Under counter refrigeration. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely is. Okay. So who would be the stream team, Patrick, in the hospital? The stream team? Uh-huh. Oh, that's got to be, uh, you know, the uh, urologist. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's a bunch of urologists. <laughs> nice. Nicely done. I'm really at AJ. I keep waiting. Is, I keep waiting. It's, it's still a steady stream. I'm okay. It's still a steady stream. I'm okay. <laughs> Yeah. Is there a, is there a term for a, a group of urologists? You know, there's a gaggle, there's things like that. <laughs> it's so funny. Marie and I were laughing the other day about the ridiculous names that go along with groups of animals. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, there's the, the congregation of alligators and oh, wait, Marie, do you remember any of the others that were on there? A gaggle of geese, uh, it's a Congress of something and a, it, it, who cares? There's there's a whole bunch of them there that are crazy. Yeah, no, it. But you know, there probably is. It's it, uh, probably a stream of urologists. If I don't you, really know. Yeah, if you if you look at the definition of all those things you just said, it just says bunch, <laughs> bunch, a bunch, bunch, <laughs> more than three. <laughs> Yeah, so there is a there is a porkway of alligators. What's that? It's a bunch. I don't want to be there. That sounds dangerous. That's all any of it means. That's all that any of that means. So, uh, Ken, what does it mean if someone says, "Hey, I need you to go there and wax that table"? Clean the table is what I would think. Is that is that they're gone and you just have to you know, pull it down. Actually, whenever I was at uh, Pablo's, they said, uh, they, they would say shine the table, but it was the same meaning, but basically it means you have a VIP or somebody who means a lot to <sighs> mm -hmm. them. You go in and kind of wax the table. It means the, oh, the VIP yeah. treatment. 21 is going to be a waxed table. 
Yep. Oh, so the, oh, okay. Yep. So what would be a VIP in the restaurant industry? Well, it depends on the restaurant. So, um, food reviewer. It could, it, yeah, it could be, it could be someone who comes in frequently, right, and spend, uh, tends to order high dollar. Uh, uh, hey, look, and I know or, where you're going. I saw ratatouille. I know what that means. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, man. So you know, it's funny. Is ratatouille is such a great dish? You know, I've tried to think through the way they do it in the movie. You, there's just no way to do that. There's not because it can't. None of it can be cooked together. It has to be cooked all separately and then stewed together. Right at the end. Oh, it's one of my favorite dishes. While we're talking Pain about, in the butt. While we're talking about food, yes. What does it mean to have a chocolate hostage? A chocolate hostage. A chocolate hostage. Now, is this a, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! This can, this can be used in my field also. Yeah, you have a, a chocolate no, it, this hostage. Is, this, is, this is your. This is your field. Maybe I'm bridging the gap here. All right, so, <laughs> so I'm going to guess that's uh, con- somebody's constipated. It's exactly what it means. It means someone's uh, constipated. Someone's being held uh, chocolate hostage. So you know, yeah. My mother ran a group home. A group. Uh, assisted living home in Arizona and um, may never mind. Yeah. There was an impact patient mind. one time. <laughs> Let's just say there's an impacted patient one time that <clears throat> would you, they needed help with. What would you describe a chocolate hostage in the restaurant industry? Uh, I, dude, you got to watch my station. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> why coffee's, are you coffee's kicking in why are you doing that i'm, I'm a chocolate hostage <laughs> chef patrick's gonna be gone for the next I'm run, 20 I'm minutes run, i'm running the pass uh, so <laughs> just don't order any food because i don't know what to do now, here's a term i didn't know do you know what adam and eve on a raft is and i was kind of curious if you know this one either At, this is a restaurant term it's a restaurant term adam and eve on a raft adam and eve on a raft and uh marine i didn't know it either whenever we were putting together the list for me i'm gonna say it's a uh, a two top, a le- man and a uh, man and a le- couple. Only ones left in the restaurant late at night. Oh, it's actually really cool. But no, I that, would make, that I would make trying. total sense. Oh, it makes sense, but that's not okay. it. We we can't say Adam and Eve on here. We we, we were going to call this Forky, but it was too racy. We had to go with Spoonie, so we got to leave Adam and Eve. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, oh Adam and Eve, the Adam and Eve. I was yeah. thinking at the company. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I thought he was saying some little spoon and leads to forking, but I wasn't really sure. Yeah, no. I kept telling Doc I want to play Big Spoon, but he was 6'5", so I had to be Little Spoon. You know. Tom's little, though. Adam and Eve, for you? Any uh, guess? Oh, in medicine? No, in, no, it's it's in oh, restaurant. Adam and Eve on a raft. Adam and Eve on a raft. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't know. It's two eggs on toast. And I was kind of curious oh, if that was huh. something that would be culinary, that maybe that's where they came from. But yeah, it, I mean, it must be. I don't know. I have to look. I'll have to think about it. I'm going to look the origin of that one up because I love the, uh, you know, the um, etymology of words. So where phrases come from and the history of words. Oh, well, well there's only a minute and a half left. It went by fast. Mm-hmm. That was a fun game. Do you, do you have anything else for me? I want to, <laughs> I want to try, I want to try and redeem myself after losing the Adam and Eve. Uh, man, thing. anything for you? I, I got an easy one. All right. I got an easy one. What does it mean when I say, Hey, uh, <clears throat> I need you to butterfly that steak. You just fillet it in half and then cook it so it's well done? Because it looks like a butterfly because yeah. it's attached on the top and the, it has wings. Yeah. So that was the, the, the first thing you said when you said, uh, you know, think about a Chuck Scott ordering a steak. One of my professors would do that. And he, he was this uh, Russian guy and it was awesome. Um, literally, he we would go to nice restaurants and he would um, say, just cut it, cook it till you think it is well done and cook it in another 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, real quick. So in 10 seconds, do you know what a shoe is? Because a shoe would be somebody who could make that happen. No, I don't know what a shoe is. A shoe is known as a really, really bad cook. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> not the ringer you're looking for. And we got only half a minute left in our last half hour. Chef Patrick, thank you so much for coming oh, on thanks, the Gut guys. Check Project this today and everything you've been doing for us. Ken, any closing words? Fun. No, just uh, show some love. Go to lovemytummy.com forward slash Spoonie. Put in that code. We got to make sure that uh, Chef Patrick doesn't have to go back to working in the restaurant industry again. Absolutely not. And if you're not watching on Spoonie Radio, be sure and check out Spoonie.com. Get a full lineup. It's filled with great shows. Chef Patrick, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, brother. Thanks, Appreciate it. See you all next time. This is the only 24-hour take-anywhere platform dedicated to food and fun. We're Spoonie. If you've owned your car for a while, or maybe you got a great deal on a used vehicle that feels new to you, AAA has a vehicle protection plan that fits your needs and your budget. Let's face it, unexpected and expensive repairs can pop up. That's why AAA vehicle protection plans provide comprehensive coverage for maintenance and repair to take some of the risk out of driving a classic. Find out more about our vehicle protection plans at AAA.com slash vehicle plan. Get fast in-home Wi-Fi that you can control with Xfinity XFi. See who's online, pause your Wi-Fi, or even set a curfew for the kids. That's simple, easy, awesome. Switch to Xfinity today and get a great offer. You'll get fast speeds and the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with Xfinity XFi. Plus, enjoy great coverage throughout your home and on the go. Even manage your in-home Wi-Fi network from anywhere when you download the Xfinity XFi app. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store to switch today. Restrictions apply.